What's up, everybody? Welcome to PSI Love You XOXO, episode 56. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the future class of video games. Blessing, Eddie Oye, Jr. Fear the old blood. That's good, that's good. <laughs> uh, the Hispanic heartthrob, Texas treat, Latino heat, clicking heads and ripping them to shreds, the globetrotting, headshotting, nitro rifle from twitch.tv slash Andy Cortez. Man, I really wish we had prepped the whole, we are born of the blood. <laughs> made and then, and then Tam goes yeah. and then well you know, no Brian. yeah well then we got to introduce uh, the old hunter himself from GameSpot.com Tamor Hussein fear the old blood there you go and of course my Italian meatball from IGN.com Brian Altano this town's finished <laughs> there you go see if you didn't know ladies and gentlemen i'm sure you caught off of the headlines and thumbnails uh this of course is the bloodborne episode uh in the month of january we asked you to go play bloodborne alongside me blessing had just finished it he was going to do some dlc i was going to actually commit to beating it for the first time and we we're going to do a bloodborne spoiler cast review whatever you want to call it uh we have done that that all happened you all played it so many of you wrote in with different questions comments concerns and then People got excited to come be part of the show. Brian tweeting, uh, Tam had to be here. Of course, Andy <laughs> Andy had to be here, too. He's, he's getting... Andy, Andy, I have a feeling you're about to have a big comeuppance here on this uh, the game's coverage for Kind of Funny, all right? 2020 is going to be your year. 2020? Mm-hmm. Sorry, <laughs> <with> Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> Last year is going to be your year. Thanks, yeah. Greg. <laughs> no problem. You got this, Andy. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Shake it off. You're going to have a great year. 2021, it doesn't matter to you. You're okay. <laughs> Uh, if you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, this, of course, is PSI Love You XOXO. Each and every week, Blessing and I and our friends come together to nerd out about all things PlayStation. If you like that, head over to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, where, of course, you can get the show ad-free. Of course, you can write in be part of the show. You can get it with the exclusive post-show we do each and every day. And you can watch it live as we record it, just like Brandon090 is, uh, Ben Voigt is, The Lou is, Mike L is, Stefan is. All of you are on patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. However, if you got no bucks tossed away, it's no big deal. You can head over to youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, and podcast services around the globe each and every Tuesday morning to get a brand spanking new episode chock full of ads. No post-show, suckers. That's what you get. Uh, housekeeping for you. Take a deep breath. It's a huge week of Kind of Funny. Uh, to begin with, Barrett is back at it like a bad habit baby. After releasing Zelda in review last year, Barrett immediately started working on Assassin's Creed in review, a Kind of Funny Games in review special, where he played through all 12 mainline games throughout 2020, wrote his review for each one, ranked them, and then compiled it all into one two-hour video for your viewing pleasure. Barrett is an insane person. Assassin's Creed in review releases this wednesday february 10th at 2 30 p.m pacific time uh it's gonna be on youtube.com slash kind of funny games of course as a youtube premiere so you can chat alongside barrett as he sees his baby birthed into the world are you excited barrett i mean i'm at i'm at the point where right before zelda in review as well where i'm like really nervous because y'all know me i got my hot takes i got everything going on here so like I'm, I'm just really nervous to see this one come out again um and I, I hope people like it as a video uh with or without my hot takes you know so uh yeah we'll, we'll see but yeah like i was really nervous if, yeah, about if you Zelda don't want to hear review. barrett's hot takes just like 
appreciate it appreciate all the other editing work that he's put in yeah for sure for sure yeah he's killed himself over this i can't wait for it barrett i can't wait for everybody to see it wednesday 2 30 youtube.com slash kind of funny games it is a premiere uh pretty much directly after that the fcf activities begin that's fan controlled football we have our first draft for the wild aces twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we'll be drafting our team it'll be me mike probably other people filtering on in that's about 5 30 p.m pacific when we'll start drafting then and then saturday is the first game for wild aces we are up against our rivals, the Glacier Boys. Uh, they, of course, uh, led by Quavo from the Migos and Richard Sherman, <laughs> of course, from the NFL. So we need Obviously. you out there. Of course, it, is, it makes perfect sense, right? That that's who we're doing. Uh, Saturday, 5 p.m. Pacific, twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. Uh, you can follow my Twitter for all the antics as I am going to start cutting promos on them very soon. And then if you didn't know, the blessing show is up right now, youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. Some great uh, work going on there as blessing continues to kill the video essay game. Go Glacier Boys. No, no, God. no, we can't do it. We can't have yeah, no. Glacier Boys. Only Nick, Scarpino, only Nick Scarpino can do this. Okay, it's Quavo and Richard Sherman. It's like, oh, you a big Richard Sherman I, fan? I, I like his, I like his antics. He did like crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff a few years ago, right? He was like, I can't, you can't interview me or whatever. Yeah, or no, yeah, I, yeah. I'm here so I don't get fined. Or was that no, the no. other guy? That's that was Marshawn Lynch. That was the other what guy. did Richard Sherman do? Though Richard cool. Sherman had a lot of big public uh, moments. For example, when the Seahawks beat the 49ers. Uh, he was Don't being interviewed by like Aaron He was like, he was like, uh, you know, uh, they said that I couldn't guard him. They said I couldn't guard this guy because he had the final kind of tip to go into an interception to then go. Who are you Super talking Bowl. about, Richard? Crabtree. <laughs> okay, yeah. fuck, jeez. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, don't be like Richard Sherman. Uh, be like our Patreon producers. Graham of Legend, David Mintel, Elliot, Patrick Higgins, James Hastings, Katie Galker, Sancho West Gaming, Shy Jackson Bur- Burgess, uh, Alex J. Sandoval, Julian the Gluten-Free Gamer, Man Bear Paradox, Thalia Floyd, Trevor Starkey, Trevor Starkey again somehow, <laughs> Civilian Soldier, <laughs> Mizuki, Trent Berry, uh, Kevin Bogues, Joy, a.k.a. Joseph O. Youssef, uh, Tyler Ross, at Jesse the Decrepit, uh, James Davis, at James Davis Makes, and then Nanobiologist. We are sponsored today by Honey, but for now, let's begin with topic of the show. I had to get through that as fast as possible. I, you know, uh, Tam, uh, Brian, you guys podcast for a living too, and I hate when you gotta you gotta interrupt the flow in the front. You know, you introduce you, people are, and you talk to them, and you go into this thing. Are you are you sponsored by like Honey the like the product like that Bears eat? Yeah, like, <laughs> Buzz Buzz, our sponsor <laughs> is Honey. If you didn't know, it's in hives, and you should try to get it. No, also no, no. sponsored by Soup. <laughs> Just the concept of soup. Like anytime you take food and you make it wet. Dude, remember when there was the egg, there was the egg council that just promoted eggs? Like I wouldn't put it past yeah. the soup council. They're like, hey man, PR's oh, back. Yeah. Campbell's Got gets together with another co- super progresso and they're like we got to make a soup coalition yeah we live in california Who makes the right? got milk I mean, commercials we we got commercials for avocados avocados all the time, right yeah. it's, it's true, just yeah. like the idea from mexico the idea of an avocado is you could just sell that ad on tv avocados from mexico <laughs> yeah what if we well, i got GameSpot and ign here what if we all did that we just all went in on a commercial and we're like Man, are you bored at home? What about video games coverage? <laughs> there's, a, there's wonderful sites on the internet for you to go see things about and people talk about things they enjoy. No, let's do this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I appreciate last night during the Super Bowl, the Reddit ad that was like 0. 0.5 seconds or whatever where you had to freeze frame it, go back and read it. Yeah. I could do that. I could do that. Um, let's talk about Bloodborne. All right, this is the thing. This is why we're all here. You know why you're here. Like I said, uh, hopefully you all out there went out and played Bloodborne for the first month, even if you didn't finish it, if you just tried it to be part of the conversation. That's good enough by us. Here's where I want to start. 
Uh, I think Tam and Brian, we know the the least about your record with the game. So I made a bunch of short questionnaire stuff here. Mm-hmm. Brian, when mm-hmm. did you start Bloodborne for the first time and when did you last play it? Um, I last played it uh, probably two days ago uh, mm-hmm. because I've been, I, I've recently gotten into uh, remote play. And sure. what um, are you using? It, your Vita? I'm No, I'm actually using this thing called the Backbone One. Okay. And it's fucking awesome. You just drop your iPhone in here and it clicks in and you can hop on your PS5 or your Series X and play video games. This sounds like a commercial now. Um, <laughs> it works because I you. have been looking for a better holder for my uh, <laughs> iPhone for that. Yeah, brought to you by Peaches. Um, no, so yeah, I, and then I first played the game uh, probably right after it first came out. Okay, okay. And so that's your st- structure with it. I know... I know it from the tangential thing, right? Because it's mm-hmm. that way. We all keep up with each other via our Twitters and social medias, but we don't necessarily have the time to go listen to everybody's podcasts. Right. You, when you first played, did it click right then? Were you in it the whole time? No, no. So that's like, the, I had this sort of like, sort of infamous moment um, on Podcast Beyond, your old show, where Beyond. I, I, like I, we, Beyond, we, uh, we broke out this clip that were, was basically like how I almost quit my game of the year. Um, yeah. And it, it's me talking about how I started playing that game and I was just like, fuck this. Like, what is wrong with you? Why would you make a game like this? And then, like, you start chipping away at it. You start doing all the things that it doesn't tell you anything about how to do. Um, and you start learning its, like, weird, you know, subtle uh, secret language. And all of a sudden you go, oh, that's right. And then I stuck with it. And ever since then, it's become, you know, just one of my favorite games of all time. And I, I think about it all the time. I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> Tam. Obviously, I know that you are Mr. Bloodborne. That's your mm-hmm. shtick on the internet outside of every mm-hmm. day being your birthday. Mm-hmm. Similar question for you. When did you start it and when did you last play it? And then also, did it click for you right away? Were you already like a Souls guy? Also, when yeah, is your play- birthday? He's playing it right now, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's ready to go. Uh, <laughs> uh, my birthday is every day. Uh, I, I think that everyone should live every day like it's their birthday. Um, that is the <laughs> way enough. you get through life. Um, the first time I played Bloodborne was when it came out. Um, so I was a Souls person back then. I'd played through Dark Souls. Um, I even tried playing Kingsfield back in the day, and Kingsfield is not good. Um, but people have an archaeological interest in it, and they, you know, I want to check it out because it's from software and all that. Did kind pretty of well in our bracket. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, uh, I I I liked it almost instantly from the outset. Okay. I like uh, it was one of those ones where I was like, um, the thing that I liked about it was it made me feel kind of gross and scared and and kind of, you know, when you watch a a horror movie and. Like the re- most recent example is um, Get Out. Like I remember going in to watch that movie, knowing that oh, it's just going to be this experience that's kind of horror-y. But you know when you watch a horror movie and then you recognize that you're scared, mm-hmm. and then you're yeah. like, or you're tensed up, and then you're like, oh, I like this. Like I had that with Bloodborne, where I was like, oh, I feel kind of out of place and I feel weird being here. And then I was like, oh, I like this. I want to get deeper and deeper into this. And it was that kind of moment that I was like, yeah, I think I really like this game. Um, and then it just, yeah, it became an obsession from that point. How many times have you beaten it? Uh, a minimum of 10 times. Uh, but I think it's probably a few more than that. Brian, you've probably- nodded along to everything he's saying. Yeah, what's your number? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, probably, it's probably seven for me. I remember I, I went to go do a GameSpot uh, 
uh, show and I, I I saw Tam's desk and we were just like geeking out about all all the shit that you can buy around Bloodborne, which is like a very small <laughs> list of things. Mm. Like we it's 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 not the most merchandised uh, game out there. Um, but he's got that chibi. Yeah. Yeah. There's I mean, there's some stuff here and there. Right. Um, but no, th- th- it was it was my first it was my first Souls game. And so I don't think I really understood what I was getting into mm. at all. Mm. And so that it was it was just it really getting your ass kicked on the first day and then kind of learning to stand up for yourself. But uh, you, you're, you're totally right. Like, it, I think it does horror better than probably any game. Like, and, and I, I would say better than, you know, many horror movies, too. Yeah. The, the interesting thing is, sorry to jump in, but like we were talking off off screen about creators and the problematic nature of them and being able to find replacements and that kind of stuff. And uh, for me, like the interesting thing is like, this was my entry into Lovecraft. And then I was like, Oh, I'm super into the, I like this cosmic stuff a lot. I'm going to find more of it. And obviously, yeah, yeah, you (laughs) find the Necronomicon and then you're like, Oh, Lovecraft is an awful person. And then I was like, but you know what? I've got a, a Lovecraft experience now that I hold to be better than anything else out there. So it was kind of also refreshing to be like, oh, who's your who's your Lovecraft author of choice? And mine's Hidetaka Miyazaki. So <laughs> yeah, it, it got me into Junji Ito, which is you know obviously Amazing. way way less problematic than than Lovecraft mm. is, as far as we know. Um, Junji Ito. So far, working. so far, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> we'll see how that ages so in far. three years. <laughs> So far, famous last words, but no, his his stuff fucking rules, and I, I find it sort of like diagonally cl- connected to Bloodborne, and he started doing cosmic horror stuff recently too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, his shit rules. Andy, this is where I think it's interesting for you to enter the conversation because you are well known for being a huge wuss. You won't watch horror movies with us. You won't have any anything remotely scary. You're immediately out. You do one of those ipapi and you leave that like, kind of things. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly. How uh, talk to me about your experience with Bloodborne? When did you start it? When did you last play it? Uh, did it click for you? Um, it's really funny because uh, you know when I stream, my audience wants me to do stuff that makes me uncomfortable or gets me really, really angry. So that's where my Mario Maker streams kind of found a, a neat little uh, sized audience because of the anger that goes along with playing really, really difficult levels and. Everybody had been wanting me to play a Souls game for the first time. And I had asked around so many times, what should I start first? Should I start with Dark Souls 3? Because I know that it's the newest one and it'll probably look the nicest. And I'm really into aesthetics and, you know, graphical fidelity and stuff like that. And um, Tam sort of became my Sherpa in this world and said, I think you should really, really play Bloodborne. To which I fought against quite a bit because I love medieval stuff. I love... Now, this is me talking medieval stuff, thinking that Dark Souls is a very medieval game. (laughs) But at the end of the day, Dark Souls kind of just looks like Bloodborne in a lot of really the creepiest areas anyway. But I was like, "Ah, I'm not super into this sort of Victorian Gothic stuff. I would maybe want to play Dark Souls. Eventually, I settled on Bloodborne. And it's so funny because I, I remember saying several times that night, it was it was my birthday stream of last year, February. I remember saying several times on the stream. Uh, look, guys, I'll probably play for an hour or so. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to stick with it. I'm just doing this because I you all want to watch it. And I kept playing and I kept playing and it was horrifying and I died a lot and I died a lot. and It was frustrating and I was so scared of so many of the areas. But I think it's I think it's the inherent nature of the combat that keeps me going. It's not like mm, mm. Resident Evil. I have two bullets left. I'm scared. I don't really have this with Bloodborne. It's 
the nature of you're supposed to die, so that's okay. And also the the offensive nature of the of the combat where it's get up in their face, get around to the back. If they hit if they hurt you, you can rally back that health. It's it really is similar to playing Doom, where Doom has a lot of creepy looking stuff too, but you're on the offensive a lot and you feel like this this combat mastermind. And I stuck with Bloodborne the whole way. I couldn't believe I wanted to keep on playing it. And eventually, yeah, eventually I beat it and uh, immediately became one of... Once I started to digest the lore, I thought that Bloodborne was already one of the most interesting and coolest games I've ever played. And then when I started to dig into the lore, it immediately shot up to one of the best of all time this game is doing stuff that so many other devs still aren't doing. And I always like to, whenever people are like, what can I expect? I always say, hey, you know how sometimes video games do cool Easter egg type things where you talk to an enemy and then if you talk to an NPC and if you maybe kill a friend of theirs, if you talk to that NPC again, they'll mention you killed their friend and it's just cool. Like, oh, wow, the game new. That's all of the Souls games. Like the Souls games are... 100 percent filled with all of those moments and it's just to me from a game development perspective it is such a an impressive feat to have all of this stuff in there um yeah it is one of my favorites of all time and now i am sort of you know dedicating my uh, the rest of this year and the rest of the next many years to playing through all the rest of the souls <laughs> games yeah to jump in there and, and piggyback off something you're talking about you're talking about like uh getting in there in what the combat is. And obviously that's going to be a huge topic. I'm sure as we go on today, but I feel like for me personally, answer my own questions, right? Like I've started bloodborne several times, including right at 2015 when it dropped. And then over, you know, I knew it was one of those things I need to play, I need to play, but I always dropped in. I was like, okay, I get it, but then we'd get distracted or would get whatever. And it was never, you know, I want to talk about how difficult souls games are. And even from the outside, when I'm commentating on something or talking about news and we're going through it, I think that's the reputation they have. Whereas, for me, with Bloodborne, right, this month obviously being the time I last played it, I guess today, last time I played it, but like what actually got into it and when it clicked for me, it clicked for me with, I think, man, the first boss that I would have gone through and done, and I forget now because we are on stream if it was Cleric, Cleric Beast, Beast. It was Cleric. Or, or was it? Or that, but I don't even know if we count that, right? Because I, I iced him on the second try. I killed the yeah. first time when I had to, and then I came back and killed him. I would, and then get, Father Fa- Gascoigne would have been the Father other Father Gascoigne was all in the same stream, and I would say that's when it clicked for me because what it becomes is, and what you're talking about, Andy, and what I love about the game is that I never felt out of a fight. It is that game that even me as a novice and somebody who doesn't have that you know, itch to play it 11 more times and do one run where I never level up or do something like that, <laughs> I can see how that person would play this. I can see how every battle could be You've given me your tell, so now I know to dodge roll this way to get behind you to get you that way. And that's what I found so interesting about it was discovering how the universe actually worked and how the game's gears actually uh, went together. Yeah, and how it actually played, where it wasn't that this game is difficult, this game is challenging. And there is a difference there, I feel, where every fight is challenging even when you are overpowered you could get screwed over right you could mess up you could you know cheese it there was plenty of times i think on the last stream we did where i was op and i was just going through stuff and talking and killing but i was then get attacked and it would be like oh man i could actually die here kind of thing like that risk ward all that stuff like once you understand the basic concepts of it i don't think it's so much difficult it is about challenging and like going up that mountain and trying to get to the other side of it 
blessing to close this out. I and I know we've ta- you've talked a lot about this on PS. Mm. I love you, but for, I'm sure there's people who are tuning in for the first time. When did you start Bloodborne for the first time? And when did you last play it? And when did it click? For the very first time, I actually started Bloodborne. I want to say a few years ago, and then I got stuck in the very first area of the game where you have that long stretch where you got to get through all the villagers. And I was just like, I don't like this. This seems very difficult. This seems frustrating. This isn't for me. Uh, ended up falling off and then coming back to it after hearing multiple people on podcasts talk about it. Like, I think I actually think Brian was one of them, right? I heard Brian talk about it on, on Beyond, and I was like, oh, all right, no, he's making the game sound really interesting. And then I also listened to, to Married to the Games, Tim Router talk about it, and I was like, okay, like, it seems like a lot of people who jumped into Bloodborne as their first Souls game after they were able to push through really ended up getting into it. Um, that combined with also being on PS Love You as a PlayStation podcast, I was like, you know what, man, I feel I feel encouraged uh, and uh, pushed toward jumping into Bloodborne because I want to play it so I can talk about it on podcasts. I want to play it because it seems enjoyable. I do like the Victorian Gothic style of it. Like, there's so many different elements of it that really did appeal to me. And so I, I jumped into it uh, a lot heavier at the beginning of this year. And it was, for me, beating beating Cleric Beast and realizing that the game was way more accessible than I thought it was beforehand. Like, legitimately getting into that first boss fight, I was like, okay, this is going to take me, what, days, hours? Let's see. And then I beat Cleric Beast, and I was like, oh, I beat Cleric Beast in my third try. That was way easier than I thought. And then getting into the fight with Father Gascoigne and having having that be the learning experience of understanding the combat, understanding the parry system, understanding uh, the tells of Father Gascoigne and, and realizing that that's what this game is and kind of falling in love with that was the thing that kind of carried me, carried me through the rest of the game. Uh, Greg, you, I think you, you mentioned something very uh, accurate and interesting about Bloodborne, which it isn't necessarily a difficult game. I was listening to or watching um, a Daniel Dwyer video where he talked about Bloodborne, and he has a quote from that video where he talks about how Bloodborne isn't a difficult game. It's just a game that you start off as being bad at and you and you learn the mechanics and you learn the world mm-hmm. and you learn what this game is. And I think that's something that is a common thread through when I hear people talk about Bloodborne, what gets them in uh, is the fact that it is a game that is a lot about discovery. And I think and I assume this holds through 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 a lot of the from software games, especially now that I've beaten Sekiro, because I think I had the same thing with Sekiro, where you jump into the game and you jump into the world and you're like, all right. What is cold blood do? All right. What is uh? What? How do health files work? Okay. Cool. I got a gun. Oh, but my gun is more of a defensive weapon than an offensive weapon. All right. What is the world of Yarnum? How do I explore this place? Like, what is the pace in which I should explore this place? What are the different paths? I think that I think all that stuff from mechanics to the actual world itself tug on that idea of discovery and like what us as players like about discovery. You know, whether it be when you're jumping into your first western rpg or you're jumping into breath of the wild and you have that sense of discovery and exploration all that stuff i think bloodborne touches on that same thing through multiple elements of the game and so you jump in and you're like okay cool i'm fighting the cleric beast what are the how do i fight this big thing okay cool i just hack away all right cool and i you you beat that guy right you fight father gascoigne and and you get used to parrying and you get used to dodging certain ways and you get used to his attack patterns and you have that feeling of discovery and then internalizing it and being able to 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 progress through because you've learned a thing uh that was the thing that i'd say very much carried me through bloodborne and so i ended up beating it uh in december on stream because i kind of had i i got to have that experience alongside uh people like imran and Tamor and people in chat that were opening my eyes to all these different things in bloodborne in terms of mechanics and then also in terms of what's going on in the world 
<laughs> what was that? You're a high level of insight. Your eyes were yet to <laughs> yeah. open. Plus. Well, yeah, that's actually, that's actually what I was going to say, right? Like, insight is literally a mechanic in Bloodborne that where the more insight you have, the more things you see. And that is actually, like, it's a very cool ongoing theme of, for me, like, playing Bloodborne on stream in, a, in the corniest metaphor possible opened up my own, my own insight in the game. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm seeing all these things that I wasn't seeing before playing alone and playing back in the years that I wasn't able to get into it. Now I'm seeing it. Now I'm getting it. And then that led me to beating the game because I, I, I truly enjoyed it. And then this last January, I beat the DLC. Yeah, I, I wanted to just to jump in because I, I remember as I was playing it for my first time and I was like not thinking I was going to keep on playing it. And this was before quarantine. This is around February. And I, I remember being in the office being like, bless, he's got to push through it, man. Push through it. You could do this because you and I are, are both really, really big scaredy cats when it comes to scary <laughs> yep. areas in the game. And then and then I remember hitting the Forbidden Forest or Forbidden Woods and being like, bless, there's an area where it's just like all snakes, dude. Like this <laughs> fucking I did not think this game could get worse. And now I'm just it's all snakes all over the place. Bless this fucking sucks. And I, I'll like I'll never forget Bless being like, nah, I'm out, dude. I can't, I can't <laughs> do this thing, dude. And and neither did I. I didn't think I could do it either. But again, it's just it's just something about the way the game makes you feel as a player. And when you are hitting the parries at the right time, you feel unstoppable. It feel you. Know, I mean, to keep on like you know uh, making analogies of like us feeling like we're in the game. You get that hunter bloodlust, like you you oh, start yeah. to get you get addicted to the feeling of being good at this game, and how much further can you possibly take this until it's too late and you you too become a, a beast? Well, like, you know? when you have when you have a, a like a fear of snakes in real life, and you take out the big jumble of snakes in the game, you, it is this feeling of you know conquering this bigger thing that you didn't think you could take on before. And yeah. so, to, to Tam's point earlier, right, the game the way that the game makes you feel. Uh, that was the thing that that I had throughout my what forty something hours of playing the game the whole same, time. Same. And even though even though I hated that feeling, at the same time I love that feeling because mm-hmm. I'd not I'd not had a game make me feel that way before. Like I keep saying that I think, and you guys actually mentioned this before. Like it is one probably one of the the best horror games I've played, and like best horror me- pieces of media that I've actually experienced because. Yeah, throughout the whole thing, I felt scared. I felt tense. I like I was sweat. My palms are sweating the entire time playing the game, and I absolutely loved it and adored it in a way that I wouldn't have even even uh, realized that I could. Let me let me bring in sarcastic juice here. Who wrote in patreoncom slash games uh, Sarcastic juice says, "For me, a person who usually values story over gameplay, I usually choose a Telltale game over Call of Duty. I was surprised at how completely in love I fell with the gameplay loop." That happened somewhere around the Forbidden Woods. I realized how brilliantly the game handled risk versus reward. Every step forward was a mix of fear of losing what I'd gained, but also tantalizing in how far I'd get. The game wasn't trying to punish me, but make my progress have weight. Once that hit me, I was hooked. Only later did I get a sense of what the lore was and gained even more appreciation for what the game is. I am still with sarcastic juice right now, having fin- my first uh, Bloodborne playthrough being done, uh, being on the other side, understanding the gameplay loop, and having those moments. Right? I think you know uh, we have a question coming up that'll be about like, what are your cherished moments that aren't like story moments or boss moments? And I have a, I, I have very much one on my mind. But for right now, Brian, 
what is Bloodborne about? I beat this game, and I'm not 100% sure what I did or who I was seeing. Um, well, that I think that's what's sort of brilliant about this game is that there is a lot to interpretation. I don't think it is as straightforward. To me, like, one of the things that, like, kind of rings true about this game is that in, and this is a very sort of pie-in-the-sky approach uh, to the lore of this game, but it, it feels like when you play a lot of video you are the hero and you are conquesting mm. through these areas and you're supposed to be there and you're supposed to beat everyone. But that sort of lived in disgusting, wretched, wet feeling that most of this game has is so a lot wet. of like, yeah, it's so, so wet. wet. It's so, so wet and hairy. So possibly and, oh, wet. Love it. Love it. <laughs> this is breaking pots and shit everywhere. Um, it just, it feels like you're not supposed to be there. There's a lot of places like that. When you go to those woods, you're like, they don't want me here. You're not mm. like, I'm here because I'm the hero. I'm not even afraid of snakes, but that the woods fuck me up. Like I get to the woods and I'm like, oh no! I, like, I, I know, I, you know. I've told this story before, Brian, but I just need to do it again because, like, Tam just like royally fucked me over <laughs> in such a huge way. Because again, I've, I I hate snakes. I hate the Forbidden Woods, and I had just beaten that whole section on stream, and it was. I'm glad I did it on stream because I was able to kind of talk to chat and distract myself because of just how awful the the snakes in the whole area makes me feel. And I beat the shadows of Yarnum on my second try, and I felt like, thank God, this whole area is done. And then I off stream, I accidentally kill Homegirl. I kill the doll uh, uh, back home in the in the dream, and I was like. Fuck, I accidentally killed the doll. I swing I swung on accident. She's dead now. I'm fucked. What do I do? I hit up Tam. Tam, what do I do? He says, Well, you could reload a cloud save. You could reload a cloud save and <laughs> and I and I'm like, oh, do I wanna do this? Do I wanna do the whole forest part again? I there's no way I could do it. But I reloaded the cloud save and I did the whole thing. I went back to Shadows of Yarn and beat him on my first try. It was awful. I hate all the snakes. And then Tam then DMs me. Oh, actually, the uh, the doll just comes back. It, you don't have to worry. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, that is, you such, have... that is like I like pranking Andy and pranking people in general. But like that is like so beyond a dick move. Where I would have said it and then be like, nah, you can just go. It's fine. Don't worry. And Tam committed. Just sat back. And no, I, 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 I think that like now, now, now you have no fear of those snakes. Like you, well, that you is good. You you pulled some like extremely bloodborne shit, honestly. Like that's <laughs> yeah. that's something like uh, that. Like you're a bo you're a boss in the DLC of this game, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> no, um, we we were talking really like really quickly about the uh, the risk reward thing. I I think that this game handles that sort of like gambler's luck thing mm. better than mm. better than most games do. And and thinking a lot about how so many video games are like, oh, you know, like I have this much on me and I'm going to push forward. And if I die, I have a reload. I can I go back to the checkpoint and stuff like that. This this game, um, it, it, it sort of like it pushes you to explore. Um, and the more sort of blood bucks you collect that you're carrying on your person, you keep going and going and going. And you're like, I feel unstoppable. And I have 150,000 blood dollars right now. And I'm good. And then all of a sudden, some fucker jumps out from behind the wall, slices your neck open, and you're dead. And like you're, that's because you were like, I can, I can move one more foot forward, or I can swing my axe one more time. And I was thinking about this before the show about how few games really manage that. And one of the games that I know in my own head uh, that does it really well is GTA Chinatown Wars. 
and they do it with drugs in that like you go to see the Rastas and you get $70,000 worth of heroin and you're driving around and you're like, I could go drop this off over here and make some money. But there's like 15 cops on me and you're like, fuck it. I'm going to keep going, keep going. And then you get pulled over and you lose everything. Sure. Um, that doesn't happen a lot in video games uh, or as often as it should. And I think that Bloodborne handles that super, super well because there are so many times where you feel like I fucked that up because it was my fault and I got greedy and I got selfish. But other times you push through and you prevail and you come out of the other side and you're rich and you're stronger and you go yeah. level up and it's just the best feeling. Well, it, it, it becomes exactly what we're talking about. There's the risk reward. Then you, you know, go too far. You take an area too fast. You take an enemy too fast. You go down you drop all the blood echoes. Right. And then it is that. All right, cool. Do I want to run back there and try to get him? Do I take my time understanding that I could get fuck, get fucked up? And then like you're saying, when you do get there and, because that was always my thing of like, oh man, I had, you know, whatever, 80,000 or whatever, 150,000. If I can get back to it, I'm going to earn another 150,000, right? Like, and it was yep. that gamble. And then you get cheap shot at somewhere else and die. And like, I just lost all this. Yeah, you, like, like you talk to a guy at three o'clock in the morning in Vegas or something like that. And you're like, <laughs> one you're, more, one more. You're, you're <laughs> up. Are you going to walk away or, gonna, oh, you're going to bet everything you have. Okay, well, good luck. And yeah, sometimes wanna... it pays off. <laughs> I kind of want to rewind a bit because that's all great, but like, um, and, and that is like what what that game is special about. But like the, I just remembered the question was about narrative as well. Oh and, right, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I like. I only reason I'm rewinding it is because I want to give it its due for people who, who might be scared about not scared, but like thinking, oh, if I don't like the gameplay, that's it. Um, and like Brian said, rightly so. Like, there's so much to interpret with this game, and that's one of the best things about it you can come at it over and over again and walk away with something different. Like what, what is the story of Bloodborne? Like um, a lot of people have different interpretations. Like for me, it's about, you know, science versus faith. Like you have these two characters and two, like it's the duality of like insight is a big thing in this game. And that goes to master Willem. And he believes that to transcend humanity needs to line its brain with eyes, which basically means it needs to be smarter so it can figure out a way of connecting with these elder gods. Whereas Lawrence um, is kind of all about blood and that's all about science and figuring out how to change this new kind of entity or this thing they found for the better. And then how those corrupt or how those lead you astray and the factions that fight against it. There's like a big overarching like science versus faith uh, clash and then there's these factions of like three free thought and thinking and and kind of like all these people going mad at the same time and then underneath it there's kind of like what is the impact of these grand schemes from smart people on the common man within Yarnum and how does that change the world and what does it lead to so you have like a story being told on literally every level of narrative that you can find from the common man and how how their need to survive and live um, is is influenced by people within power to the very top where cosmic beings are orchestrating these things for their own purposes and others are trying to kind of like uh, utilize that to ascend to different levels and it's just like it's such a multi-layered story that I mean it's been so long since that game comes out and every now and then I still have a thought which is original about the the kind of idea of what's going on and that's like one of the best things about that narrative um and and it's something that i i, I replied to one of the um uh patreon posts on on kind of funny and uh, my my basically the gist of my uh, uh message was there's so much in bloodborne to love that if you feel like you don't want to play it 
just watch videos because mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. still so rewarding and there's so much that you can take out of it bloodborne isn't just a game it's kind of like this whole whole thing you can enjoy just the music you can enjoy just the art you can enjoy just the story or you can enjoy it as a whole so if you do have an interest in narrative games find out a way to um, feed that through bloodborne yeah it really too, uh, it real quick it, it also inspired like a really oh cool uh graphic novel series from titan mm-hmm. comics which sort of inexplicably just stopped, but the art's awesome. It it's kind of pokes around in other corners of that world. Um, so Tam's totally right. Like your entry point into this game doesn't have to be like platinuming it and becoming the best player in the world. Um, watching it, reading about it, uh, listening to it. There's so many angles to appreciate it. It's so interesting because I don't like upon rewatching. You know, a lot of my favorite uh, lore videos from a lot of the the different creators. It I kept wondering how. Can this work in a lot of other mediums? Because I think I think the the obtuseness of it all kind of may, adds to the mystery and wanting to learn more about it. And like, could this ever work as a movie where mm. in the movie you have to be so upfront with what you're trying to tell the the audience? Where in this game you are uncovering little clues, and if you miss that little message, you would miss out that you know, uh, you know, something happened in Bergenworth that you just weren't really mm-hmm. uh, under fully understanding. Um, I do love that. Uh, one thing that I am definitely appreciating with Bloodborne or definitely appreciated with Bloodborne now going back to Dark Souls is that I think Bloodborne starts off with such an easy concept. There's a plague. You're here in the town. You're a hunter. You're trying to clear the plague. And then it gets fucking confusing, right? <laughs> with mm-hmm. with Dark Souls, I feel like I was already kind of confused from the start. But I think just uncovering all those little clues and the mysteries, it's 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 just so interesting. And I I totally feel how Tam feels where mm. it's kind of become a lifestyle. It has become yeah. an addiction. And I want to learn more. And I'm so glad that Greg asked me to be on this because it just gave me an excuse to go watch and listen to more shit on top of all the other shit that I'd already watched and listened to. <laughs> I'm telling you, 2020 is your year. This is it. We're going to turn this it around. It. You know what I mean? This is, it starts now, the year of Luigi. Well, if, blessing, I want to. I think you're going to piggyback, or maybe yeah. this is very much in line with what we're talking about. The thing I've not wrestled with i guess but in my own head as i've prepped for this and thought about uh bloodborne and hung out and you know had other conversations with people the thing i keep d- coming back to is how old school the game is where when we talk about like oh it's not i don't think it's difficult i think it's challenging right it reminds me so much of a mega man of going in there and like the things honestly i didn't like about the old 8-bit games of making my way through an entire level getting to the boss dying Fuck, I have to do all this again. Do it all I can, get there, die, but learn his first wave, not what second wave is going to be. And I feel even with that lens on it, my takeaway from it of playing it and now afterwards, and I, I, I need to go watch all the Vati vids and all that stuff, is the idea that it's still the old school way. Whereas, I, you know, Brian, you probably remember, right? Of like on the ride home from Toys R Us, you know, you, you open up the instruction manual and you start reading because that's where you're yeah. going to get the backbone mm-hmm. of this. And then the same conversation of when you were playing a game and your friends were playing the game, how excited you were to get to school and then get outside for playground or for recess to sit there and be like, did you see this? And I did that. And that's, of course, where, oh, my uncle at Nintendo says, yeah, all those stories come <laughs> from. But 
it's something we we don't have that kind of interaction anymore. And usually now when we have those conversations, I feel as a gamer, it is about, did you see that cutscene? You got to this thing and we're talking, we're discussing games like a movie. And it's Last less about- Last time I had that was Breath of the Wild. Right? Yeah. And that's what th- this game is so much, hey, there's a bunch of stuff out there for you to find. And it would be on your first playthrough, second, third, it's going to be impossible for you to find that all unless you're talking to somebody, unless you're having like it was for me in high school of like talking to John Campione about Metal Gear Solid and him be like, oh, yeah, the tuxedo. And I was like, campy, I've beaten this yeah. game like seven times. Who's talking about? He's like, oh, if you save at the end, I was like, fuck. Like there, there are these different things in the same thing. And we called them camps, actually. Camps. Camps. Old camps. Yeah. I love camps. Old camps. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Is that, does that line up uh, blessing with the way you interpret Bloodborne and when you think of it? Yeah, like 100%. Like the, the game that Bloodborne reminded me of that I wasn't expecting going into it was Shadow Colossus, which is a game that I absolutely adore. And, you know, Brian mentioned that it's it's a game that you interpret uh, uh, so much of the story, like on your own, and you kind of figure out what the meaning is for you. And for me, the thing that Bloodborne, I think, takes from Shadow Colossus and furthers way more is that there there is so much that you can interpret, but there's also so much that is there for you to interpret and there's so much actual story and writing there is the reason the reason why i love shadow colossus so much is that the when we talk about interpreting what's going on we talk about creating our own narrative from what's there shadow colossus leaves so much to the imagination like 95 percent of that game is hey it is it means what it is to you you're 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 this dude there's this girl you got a horse and you're fighting these things and we're gonna sprinkle in story here and there but the language that the people speak in this land is made up and so like you're just there to figure out what that all this means to you uh whereas bloodborne takes a lot of those same things but is like okay cool but we're also going to layer in actual story and meaning and characters and all this stuff and even, even for where i'm at right now i understand very broad strokes of the story of bloodborne and what's going on in yarnum and what drinking the blood and all that stuff is done to the people and where that struggle is but there is still so much for me to kind of learn and figure out and my my love of bloodborne for the, the first part of my of my playthrough and even like even towards towards entering the end of my playthrough was mostly from gameplay and how uh, how much i enjoyed the mechanics and the combat and how offensive it like how offensive the combat is not like literally offensive like you know, <laughs> I'm offended. yeah i wasn't a fan of my blood but, but cancel like, bloodborne I'm, cancel exactly no i i i i love the combat and the gameplay of bloodborne but the more and more i i dug into you know, listening to what Imran in the chat and Tamor had to say to me about the world and watching the the videos on YouTube and reading up on on um, the wikis and all this stuff, like what's going on, the more and more I started to get into it because the game does a good job of uh, crypt feeding you the info in the, in, in the game in the way that Andy said, right? Like it is a thing where it's like they very much took advantage of the fact that it's a video game and you have to explore it at your own pace and look around and read the items and all this stuff. Um, but also I think the game is framed in a way where it makes you want to do that in a way that makes sense in the world where as, as the hunter you're playing as you almost feel like you are on this quest of an archeological dig through this world in the, in the DLC, the, 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 um, old, the old hunters or is it the old, blood? Yeah, the old, old blood is Wolfenstein, uh, and the old hunters, you go into that DLC and I believe you literally talk to the NPCs who are like, Hey, you don't need to be here. And <laughs> for me as the player, I'm just like, but no, I want to be like, I want to explore. I, I <laughs> no, want I to figure out what, yeah, I must be here. Like I want to figure out what went, what went down. I think, uh, I think the way that all that is framed is mm. part of the beauty of how, uh, the whole game works and is presented. Uh, to like, to Greg's point, like talking about 
back in the day having kind of like your your manual be the source of your knowledge of this game or whatever game it is i think there's something really special and something to be said about from software bloodborne whatever it may be their ability to create experiences that are somehow impervious to the unrelenting nature of the internet digging into things and leaving everything out there like no matter what it is whether it's a marvel movie star wars even games like destiny once it's out there the internet it's only a matter of time be before every thread is laid bare and it's there to for you to experience in its totality and understand and there's nothing more left of it we drink every part of a thing until there's nothing left to it and they create games that just that it's impossible to do that or you can never truly feel like you've got to the bottom of the glass like there's always another interpretation to what they have out there and that's part of the fascination for me it is it's like no matter I, I can't ever know. I can never be an expert in a From Software game. No one truly right. can. Even someone like Vati Vidya or like um, the, the Pale Blood Hunt, the writer of Pale, Pale Blood Hunt or whatever it may be, will never profess to be an expert. Everyone always says, this is my interpretation. And there's something really special about that. Even the most beloved works in history, like you take a Tolkien work, it's it's fascinating. People love it. There's entire legions of people that that um, uh, adhere to it. But it's understood. It's it's peeled back. It's done. Like it, that that isn't the case for a lot of from software. Yeah. To to kind of piggyback on that, I think that um you you totally nailed it. And what makes that different, and what makes video games as a medium different, is that it is it is it's active, right? It's not as passive. Like I've I've always said, like a movie will will happen in front of you whether or not like you're awake you can fall asleep and you, you can you know beat a movie but to finish a video game um you have to take an approach to it and with uh, FromSoft games and with bloodborne there are so many different approaches to way to the way you take that game like blessing you mentioned uh like some of the some of the weapons like the gun and how like i think like when you first come in you're like i have a gun oh cool like i can <laughs> oh shit wait no it's not that great but then there are people that have like figured out ways to kind of reverse engineer that put all the points into it and play just with a run like that there are people that play with like really really heavy weapons and kind of stay back and crossbows from afar and then there's people who that get up and you know it's kind of drunk and master it like i do i just get in there and just go crazy and just hopefully confuse the shit out of the enemies I'm fighting. What, and then, what is this guy's problem? <laughs> what the fuck? He's swinging at the wall. Yeah. And uh, like I, I appreciate that because that um, there's a, there's a creativity to that. It feels like like cooking or painting or something where there isn't a proper way to do it. There isn't a direct way to do it. And when you talk to your friends about it, their experiences are slightly different. And so when you come together to discuss a movie or a TV show, everyone brings their own point of views. But with something like Bloodborne and with a lot of video games that let you sort of like dynamically cast your character on the fly like that, um, the experience becomes something so different because everyone is coming at it differently and they're putting in different points in different parts and their their character looks different and their approach to boss fights is different. The order in which they're fighting bosses is different, the way they're exploring the world. Um, they're using items constantly that you've never used once. I know I barely ever parry in this game. Like, I know a lot of people are going to be mad at me for that. I just don't. Like, I just, like, I, I smack motherfuckers up, and then I back out, and then I go back in there. And that's, I'm probably playing it wrong, 
but I it's you know still in one of my top two or three favorite games of all time. See, but I think that's what's so powerful about the gameplay of Bloodborne, and I, I obviously apply it to all Souls games, but this is the one I've played the most of, and by mm-hmm. a long, long margin, right? Is the fact that I don't think there is a way to play it wrong. I think it's it's something so special to give a put a game system out there and all these different uh, literally give people a toolbox and a sandbox to play in and have it be all right cool however you're gonna get it done is how you get it done if you're like you know what i mean you're getting it done the way you're gonna go through and that's great have it that way and it was the same way of like you know when we were doing it on stream and stuff and when it finally got to where everybody's like oh you need to get i forget the sword the holy sword or the holy saber holy blade Moonlight. thank you very much holy blade and I went and got it and did like two things with it uh, against Rom. And I was like, nope, not, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to keep leveling up. Yeah, like that's just not what I, how I want to play this game and how I feel it. And it, it's so much a, a feel thing, I think. Like you're talking yeah. about, Brian. It's like, how do you want to do it? And like, how do you actually want to play? And by the it was interesting, you know, uh, for me today, turning it back on after the break from the last stream. And I was like, oh, I want to get the other ending or whatever. So I started it up and went in there and got into the big fight. And it was like my second attempt when I was like, wait a second. And I locked on and I was like, oh. I haven't locked on to anybody in a long time. I feel like I feel like I've been I've been doing it the same way you're talking about, Brian. Of like slash slash dodge 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 around them, come up on like yep. not worry about the camera helping me. And then when I started using lock on, I was like, oh, this doesn't feel right. I have to take it off and go back to how I was just oh, naturally wow. playing the game. Yeah, it's, it's I think I've I've sort of encountered the same thing, Greg, where I was so set on locking on to everything, and I think it was man eater in demon souls remake where i said i'd never should lock on to enemies that i don't feel comfortable locking on with i think it's when when it's a 1v1 situation i'm all about it i think it's easier to dodge i think it's easier to parry or whatever you're trying to do but there are so many boss fights that i've taken now where i i just don't lock on because sometimes it's for the worse and they jump over you and your camera turns and the next thing you know you're off the yeah, cliff yeah. and all that stuff yeah there's so many different ways to take it i i think I became so into parries because it is the ultimate risk reward. It is yeah, either it is. essentially when you get the when you get the rune, uh, the Carol rune in Bloodborne that gives you health back if you successfully parry and do a visceral attack. That's where it's like, all right, I'm kind of low health. I can try to take this hit. I could try to dodge this hit, or if I parry, I'm going to get some health back. And that for me was like the ultimate risk reward. Um, just to piggyback earlier on what uh, Blessing was saying. Also, take a shot every time you've heard the word piggyback in this podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, what Blessing was mentioning earlier about Shadow of the Colossus, I believe it was Eco that got uh, Miyazaki into back into mm-hmm. video games and wanting mm-hmm. to get into game design because he was he was just IT at this point, uh, not working in games. So it was Eco that was like, oh shit, I kind of I'm falling in love back with this medium or whatever. Um, and I, I I think that's just what makes From Software so damn impressive is that you don't even have to. Uh, there's always going to be something that kind of blows you away with the From games. And for me, it is not only the the combat and the lore, but the level design and the sort of Easter eggy type things. Where hey, if you talk to that NPC when you're wearing this other outfit, then listen to what they say. And there's so like the the game is packed with moments like that. Um, the similar to how you know. Hey, you may not be super into video games, but this Naughty Dog game has incredible acting and really good mm-hmm. cutscenes. Go check this out. You know, it's something to sort of wow somebody. And for me, the From Software games become so impressive when you think about just not only the not only the depth of them, but like the amount of enemies there are. Oh my the, god! Like the I enemy just, placement. Like every enemy is mm-hmm. placed with such intention yeah. that I, I yeah. find 
so interesting and, and, and so good where you come up on an enemy and, and he's facing a door or whatever. And the reason why he's facing that, like, there is a reason why he's there. Yes, where you see there, dead there, bodies and there's a reason why they're there. there. There's some stuff later on that I, I haven't, I didn't play the DLC. I'm hoping for a 60 frames patch. Um, Lance McDonald, uh, Manfight Dragon on Twitter is working on an unofficial one, but I'm hoping that Sony actually makes one. But there's an enemy you encounter in one area of the game that you say, ah, wh- why is this enemy here? And then as you go on, you end up getting to a place where you are above everything that you've been playing. So you're like on a place you didn't even know you could access and the whole town is below you. And that a- that area up there is packed with all of those. You're like, did that enemy... S- that enemy probably fell through somehow and is now at this bottom area. Like everything is done with such intention. Um, and it's, it's all that, you know, the moments where we get impressed when we're playing any game with like the, mi- the most minimal amount of environmental storytelling. Like I, I, I think of, I mean, not necessarily minimal. I don't want to make that seem like it's a bad mm-hmm. thing or whatever. But like but... You, you play like fallout or whatever and you come up from a town and you're like, Oh, this town's been abandoned or whatever. And like, you know, obviously there's work put in to make sure that that stuff comes across in a way that feels yeah. believable and real and cool. But bloodborne feels like everything has a story to it in a way that I, yeah. you lack out of other games. I think I felt kind of impressed uh, when I was playing The Division 2 and you're walking in the hospital and you start to see all these... Uh, you start to get the environmental storytelling because you're seeing, um, I don't know, like this little kid's play area. And then you start to pick up notes and realize what happened to this family. And that stuff is like really cool and impressive to me. And I enjoy moments like that in video games. But that's every fucking souls game <laughs> like every souls game it just is just packed with that shit and that's why i'm always just so blown away by the but level of detail they have what's shocking and i think this is uh kind of for uh dylan wright's question here who wrote it at patreon.com slash kind of funny games says what can from software do to better draw players in what's shocking about everything you just said andy both enemy placement uh you want to talk about optional bosses you want to talk about the environmental storytelling is that that is all there, and Tam's talked about you know the multiple levels this g- mm. game has for a narrative. But also, there's this. It, it sounds, it sounds too far, a bridge too far, and I'm probably making the Twitter version of it. But from software doesn't give a fuck if you find any of that, which is mm-hmm. so you know. I mean, we talk about like environmental storytelling, and for me, it will always be The Last of Us and Ishmael, right? And finding the notes and piecing together what happened in that bunker and stuff, and like what an awesome ride that was. But it was also very much like there was a breadcrumb trail there. Like unless you're playing like Nick Scarpino, you're going to find that and you're going to understand and you're going to get a piece of it and see what's going on. Whereas Bloodborne wants you to work for all that, which I bo- which I respect, even if it's not necessarily what I, I want out of every video game or what I want all the time from video games. I respect, but it's also so interesting because we talk about, you know, the amount of time and effort and work that goes into a video game. And how if you're a developer making that stuff, you want people to find that. You want your work to be celebrated. You know, that's why, you know, it's always amazing when you find out that Arkham Asylum has a wall blown out that was found years later that, you know, tells you Arkham City was going to happen and stuff like that. Or like, you know, uh, a cry in uh, Bioshock's universe that they may have patched in later. Like those little secrets like you're talking about are usually exposed so quickly that one gets to stand out. Whereas this game is... Oh, but did you wear this outfit? Oh, but did you do right. this thing? Oh, did you read every item description? Like, there's all of that yeah. level to it. I mean, there's there's like Kanehurst Castle, which mm-hmm. 
No, I I don't even know the statistics. I I would I would say the overwhelming majority of players who casually play through Bloodborne, which is not really a game you casually play through, but you know, for the purposes of, of this conversation, uh, skip this area entirely. And Greg, like to what you're saying, it's like every every decision in most video games is deliberate, and every area is meticulously mm-hmm. designed mm-hmm. because they want you to experience it. And FromSoft is just like we there's there's like a bone carriage that you can take to this you know castlevania ass level if you happen and, to get the invitation yeah if yeah you get the and invitation, you watch a specific location yeah, yeah. Specific that you would never know because it's like not marked for it and then you get there and all of a sudden you're like oh shit this place is fucking terrifying and magical and amazing and there's this king on the roof that beat the shit out of me like this is a great what cool <laughs> what a and secret you can, and you can see it in the distance which is yeah, another amazing yeah. thing about like if you happen to look at the right area greg you see this kind of island far off and essentially uh Kanehurst castle is this giant sort of snowy environment that unless you went back to the first room you woke up to in the video game unless you happen to go back to Yosefka's clinic and pick up a note that says you've been invited to Kanehurst castle it's like oh shit what the fuck is that and then you have to go to the right spot to then get taken to Kanehurst castle by carriage it's right. it's all it's all those little moments like that that you uh, that constantly have me kind of like you know mind blown emoji with the head exploding like uh, like how the, the the amount of effort that goes into this stuff mm. is just it blows my mind that they cared so much to do this and that's the thing about it right like in you know Brian tweeted today he was coming on the show Tamora quote tweeted it and then Nick Verge uh, who works at Pop Agenda along or he's a co-founder at Pop Agenda alongside Jen uh, he responded half this podcast should be about Kanehurst Castle to which I immediately <laughs> turned I immediately turned to Google and put in Kanehurst Castle because I don't know what the fuck you're talking about right. right and it's the same thing Adam wrote into patreon.com slash kind of funny games it was like did any of you know about the shift from gothic horror to more cosmological horror as it happens midway through the game before you play and i was like did that happen the sky went purple and i didn't think we were in the cosmos i didn't understand like there's so much here that i i'm i think the you know in my bloodborne timeline the best synopsis of where i am is you know today i jumped back on played a little bit got my heads uh, my uh, thoughts uh, prepped a bit and then i hovered over to like do i delete this and I'm like, do I delete it from my PlayStation 5 uh, hard drive, you know, keep space in, or external? And it was just like that thing of like, I'm not going to because I'm still interested to go watch these videos y'all keep talking about. Mm-hmm. And is it going to be that I'm going to fall down that rabbit hole? If I watch the videos, it gives me a greater appreciation for what's going on and I want to go back and see more about it. And then you're right back into the loop. Yeah, the, I think the moment that I realized that this was no longer... Again, it's 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 so hard for me and my... ADHD brain to read every note and absorb all these story beats while I'm trying to talk to the chat and while I'm trying to like you're focusing on so many different things and I'll never forget taking a wrong turn in the Forbidden Woods and suddenly these blue alien creatures and I'm like what game am I playing this is (laughs) this is not what I thought this was going to be and then sure enough you start fighting and experiencing thing like you know Ebriadas and and all these alien looking like creatures and then you start to understand the story of the great ones and again humans you know you hear about master willem thinking you know we have to evolve past in order for humans to continue we have to evolve into a greater a greater uh, span or a greater area of enlightenment you know we have to become more than what we are and hearing all those little you know those little lines of dialogue that you didn't really think much of at the time 
it just adds so much more to the experience and just mm -hmm. you get a greater you know appreciation for it yeah that's Greg, uh, you... uh, that's the thing i i appreciate appreciate too is where you talk about the shift from gothic horror to cosmic horror where for me jumping into the game i had no idea what to expect really aside from the gothic aesthetic and the fact that the game's difficult and there were probably werewolves and shit and so <laughs> yeah i spent the first probably like 10 hours of the game just thinking that it was just the purge like that's the story of the game is right. that the order 1886 yeah like i was just like yeah. okay cool everybody's going crazy on each other probably for a night i guess like the purge and then everything's gonna be normal a week yep, later exactly. i don't know you must uh, have been so happy when like the first thing that beats your ass in that game is a werewolf you're like oh shit i was right nailed yeah, it, I, was nailed like, it. it. <laughs> I, I got that right uh, and but the more and more you play yeah i took that same left turn in forbidden woods and saw the mr meeseeks guys and i was like okay i don't i guess i have lost the narrative how do we get here and the more and more mm -hmm. you play the more and more i was like Okay, I I am very fascinated with with, with what's the, going on because I did not expect that shift after you beat Rom and then you come mm. back and there's um amygdala or whatever on the roof just chilling. And I'm like, what the fuck? It's it's such a it's, it's such a cool shift that got me the, super interested. It's the idea that I'm so glad Tam was there for that uh for that moment because I wanted Tim and other people that just weren't really sure what was happening in the game to kind of fully understand where, you know. What Rom the vacuous spider where you know Greg had trouble with that boss and when you finally kill the boss I'm always just so impressed from a game design perspective and game development perspective of of world changing shifts where when you kill the spider you find out that the spider was hiding what was really going on the spider mm -hmm. was hiding some shit going on in the world and killing the spider then enacts this world change. And you can never go back before the world change. But the sky turns a different color. And you are able to now see things that were there the whole time that you just yeah. didn't know. For example, the amygdala and and the way the world looks in general. Like you didn't know what was really happening until that mm -hmm. spider dies because it was hiding shit deliberately. And now and you're you able said to see, that, oh my god. And see, you said all that, and it was it was the exact same situation of I'm playing all of this on stream, which obviously is doing it a disservice, but also a very the way I enjoyed playing the game, like if that makes sense, where it's like sure. I totally. it's the it's so we I, I the way I wrap my head around this, and I, when I'm saying I feel like it was an old school game, an eight bit game, a Mega Man game. That also spokes, a Zelda like game, like an early Zelda 100%. game where it's like hundred yeah. percent. How did I know that fucking hole was supposed to be there? Are you kidding me? <laughs> that spoke so much to me being something I would stream through because I wasn't so dialed into the story, right? Like I would never play Last of Us Part Two for the first time or Land at Last or Naughty Dog game for the first time on stream mm -hmm. because I want to be in that moment. I want to be in the cin cinematics. But then it was this thing of like when we beat the spider, you gave me the condensed version of that of like, now you can see things you couldn't see before. I'm like, yeah, the fucking sky's purple. That's what I see. <laughs> and like, so it, you need to have an ownership over that to actually see what's going on. I'm sorry, Brian. Right. No, I was gonna say it's, it's, it's interesting to me. Uh, Cause my gut reaction to like, to be completely like Frank to finding out that like people play this game for the first time on stream was kind of like, Oh, that's not the right way to play it. You know, you have to be alone and depressed and the lights are off and like everything's <laughs> sad and quiet. But then it, the more I think about it, it's like this is a fantastic horror game. And so much horror is an amazing experience when you're sharing it with a theater full of people. It's mm -hmm. one of the reasons, you know, um, I believe the, the Candyman director of the remake was like, we're going to wait on this. Like, we're going to wait until we can all share this in a room mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. This We don't want this to just be a movie we dump on a streaming platform. And so I appreciate the shit out of it because I think that's super cool that people are are able to play that with with a group with an audience because i think that's the way a lot of horror can be meant to be played in terms of like keeping it on your hard drive i think like your 
your mileage may vary with that, but for some odd reason for me, this game has become comfort food. And it's weird when your comfort food has, you know, ghost pepper on it. Because <laughs> like <laughs> it's like this is not really something you're supposed to like a lot of cosmic juices. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like dark like it's, and wet and rotting <laughs> and black. Yeah. And it's spicy and it kicks your ass. And it's just like, I don't know if I should be doing this all the time. But uh, it's it's been something I, I go back to more and more because like we were saying earlier, you can you can kind of re-roll and play it a little differently do things in a different order and because of that uh it's it's become something that's like almost an annual rite of passage for me where i just i go back in and sometimes i beat it sometimes i platinum it like i did last year and then other times i just play five ten hours thank you that was that was like man what a feeling it was all 2020 really all downhill except for all the great stuff that's going on for andy um but (laughs) yeah i mean it's I, it's it's totally for me. It's one of those things like I will I will kind of keep on the hard drive forever. Every time I go through that list, I'm like, do I want to get rid of this? And then I'm like, why is the fucking hard drive so small? That's really yeah, the question. I, I, what I did is I just moved it to the external hard drive yeah. for the PlayStation Four stuff. I'm just like, whatever. Yeah. Sit over there. I'll worry about you later. Uh, uh, I want to do two things if I can, it, uh, unless you what do you got, bless. Actually, you know what, bless. Well, Before anybody does anything. We should have a word from our sponsor. <laughs> this episode of PSI Love You XOXO is brought to you by Honey, my favorite advertisement because I use it so much. I don't have to read anything until the very end where I have to read something. But what I'm here to tell you about is Honey, ladies and gentlemen. If you have an internet browser, you should have Honey on it. What you do is install Honey for free. Bloop. You just go. You put it in with the URL. I'll give you in a second. You put it in, and then you get a little H over here on your on your your browser. I'm using Chrome. I'm touching it right now. Then what happens is you go and you check out at you know a bajillion stores or whatever. And when you get there at the end, you know, there's always that thing of like promo code, uh, honey, this little coin comes down and he just dances and he automatically finds you the best promo code to put in uh, when you're checking out to save you money. It is free. It installs in three clicks. And if you sign in like I do with my Google, uh, you accrue honey coins that you can then spend on gift cards and I get Amazon points and stuff like that. It's fantastic right now. Here's how you get it, all right? Uh, If you don't already have Honey, you could straight up be missing out on free savings. It's literally free and installs in a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash kinda. That's joinhoney.com slash kinda. Honey has found it's over 17 million members, over $2 billion in savings. Get in on that, just like me, Greg Miller has, at joinhoney.com slash kinda. Yeah. Hi, Andy. Where were you on that one? We got there. All right, back. Blessing, I'm sorry. You pick it up. What do you got? Yeah, I was going to piggyback off of the uh, streaming thing. Shot. Where the thing that I, I didn't realize about Bloodborne until later on in my playthrough was how much of a community game it, it felt like. Whereas mm-hmm. you talk about like how, how much you enjoyed streaming the game. I think that kind of feeds back into the idea of in the game, you find notes from other players that kind of mm-hmm. nudge you in the right direction or warn you of ambushes or clue you into some cool thing going on in the world. Or lie to you. <laughs> Or lie, or straight up lie to you, and tell tell me to jump off a ledge, and I did, and I died. Um, that stuff, I think, all kind of feeds back into that, this idea that uh, Brian was kind of talking about a second ago, right? Talking about um, how the game is a horror experience is, you know, is a fun thing to experience as a group. I think also the game is a lore experience is such a fun thing to experience as a group because it is such a uh, talk, we talk about the archaeological dig and interpreting interpreting all this stuff, right? Being able to talk that out with other people and get other people's ideas and watch the, the, the Vati vids on YouTube and watch other people's YouTube videos and have this back and forth, do this podcast right now, right? I think that all kind of feeds back into the experience of Bloodborne because 
if I experienced Bloodborne by myself alone and didn't talk to anybody about it, I don't think I would have gotten anywhere near the experience that I needed to for that game. The a lot of so much of my enjoyment, possibly most of my enjoyment, honestly, probably came from having people like Imran talk to me and tell me what's going on and you know read what chat has to say and you know watching the videos on youtube and reading the notes and figuring figuring out what other people's perspective of this world is because it is a world that feels like it is built for communication and built for back and forths um which is the thing yeah, that i appreciate I, I feel like at that point bless it's like when you find a friend that hasn't seen the prestige yet and you just got like, oh, I want to watch it with you. I want to see like what what you get from it, and and then mm-hmm. I want to kind of blow your mind at all the moments you didn't really notice. Like it, it becomes like that sort of thing where with Bloodborne there are so many of those mind fuck moments that you don't realize are mind fuck at the time yeah. until somebody tells you, well, check it out. That dude that you just killed, he you met him way earlier in the game, and he told you he warned you about some shit, and then he turned into this, and it's like. Wow, that's yeah. so cool. <laughs> just just to piggyback off that, um, you know, a, a, an example <laughs> example of that being like Andy and various people have mentioned the vile bloods, but you don't you don't really connect the dots. But there is a character very early on who mentions he was looking for vile bloods and he's on the hunt to eliminate the vile bloods, and and like you you don't put two and two together until way later, and even if you ever put it together, and if you follow that path. In the right way, not only can you get to Kanehurst Castle, but you can help that character get to Kanehurst Castle. And when you get him there, you realize, oh, this guy's a lunatic and he wants to just kill all of these people. He's on like a holy quest. And that's an entire quest line and a story that you Alfred, just, right? Alfred, yeah. Um, you just completely miss. And because you, you don't, then that means that by the very nature of you missing that, you don't get the story behind those two factions the vile bloods and the the kind of like um the folks that were trying to kill them it's like the domino effect of missing one thing is massive but at the same time it's so satisfying when you know it's there and you can unfurl it yeah i, I joined multiple factions that i have no idea why like there's yeah. a, i think it might have been the vile bloods whatever faction that like at the end of Kanehurst castle the lady gives you to join or whatever like i joined yeah, she's that a vile blood yeah annalise mm-hmm. is, is a vile blood yeah i yeah, 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 my, my first playthrough also i was just like joining every faction and then like yep. killing all the npcs and i was like i don't know i'm just having fun don't know what's going on and yeah. i was like oh wait i basically just joined like seven yearbook clubs and then like murdered the people that started the yearbook club yeah and then you plus... don't get your picture in any <laughs> yeah Annalise wants the blood of hunters like she seeks she fucking hates hunters and mm-hmm. like does she so not know stoked. that I'm a hunter am I so, a hunter she's sto- she's stoked for you to join <laughs> she, she's stoked for you to join if I if I'm if I'm I don't know if uh, Tam needs to correct me here uh I think it's kind of ambiguous like Annalise is, because she wants the blood uh what are they called? she just the wants blood one. It's she the gross wants... one, though. It's like blood fucking... It's a different word. Yeah, it's the I... grossest term of it. Like Blood, blood... rock. Goo goo blood. Yeah, blood <laughs> it's pretty much something like that, yeah. Blood dregs. Yeah, blood dregs. There blood we go, dregs. blood dregs. The, the interesting thing is, like, the, the, the idea of wild bloods is, <laughs> is still very... Greg's somehow grosser. <laughs> Give me the goo goo blood. <laughs> Um, it's like vile bloods are interesting because, like, there's still a lot being discovered about them. Like, they're called vile bloods as a to like to denote who they are as a clan but like they're effectively people who just drink low quality blood 
which is effect they're basically mo- they're moonshiners like that's why they're hated <laughs> because they drink a shit quality of this blood and they're just into that and so they've been ostracized and there's like connections that a lot of people won't make between like uh lady maria for example is of our blood and you won't make that connection until unless you really dig into it and she's she's like related to queen annalise in a lot of ways um so there's like so much law in just that one area that you can find and really get involved with and it's just incredible yeah there's a guy on on the roof of that whole area before you meet this annalise character greg in this uh-huh. place that you've never been to called uh canehurst castle his name is logarius mm-hmm. martyr logarius and he essentially died and hid away the queen so and and hid away this whole area so that it would ne- it wouldn't be able to mm-hmm. sort of threaten uh Yarnum ever again because of just how dangerous these people were and then you essentially go and you find Logarius who mm-hmm. has been hiding away who has been hiding away this area for the better of the world and you kill him <laughs> and, 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 and then you murder to, and to and, piggyback off that he's the person that Alfred trained under <laughs> Um, so he's the reason why Alfred hates the Vileblood so much because Marta Logarius hated them. So it's kind of like that connection. It's, it's so cool. And I didn't find any of that until I got the platinum and I'd been up in that roof in Canehurst like a dozen times. And then I was like, oh, oh shit, there's a, there's a thing behind the thing. <laughs> yeah. And, like that, that's what the I crown, love, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah just, just finding, finding like, like when you think you have something completely understood and completely mastered, but then there's still more to find. That's what I love about this game so much. Because mm-hmm. j- just as I was like, all right, I, I've seen it all. I fought every boss. I've done everything. There's always there's always an extra little thing that you didn't know anything about. Um, even if it's just a, a little piece of lore or an item you've never used or just like a whole other or an enemy you've never seen. Like there's just so many so many surprises like that awaiting you, and, and it rewards you for you know kind of poking around. Well, it, and, and even it, like on a smaller scale of it, just like the stuff they hide in plain sight. The amount of times where I'm like, well, clearly I have to open this door to advance the next thing. I don't know what I'm missing, yada, yada. And then I'd give up and ask a question to Tam or uh, Bless or something. And then it'd be like, no, 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 you go down here. And then you, but then take a right. Or the thing you started at, you know, three checkpoints ago, go back there and go right. You went left. Now, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, geez. All right, cool. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm, fuck. All right, I get you. Cool. Thank you very much. Sorry, yeah, Bless. The, the, the hide and play, play inside thing is a really good point, too, because I think the thing that is so special about that and how the game. Uh, hide secrets is the fact that it's a world that we get so familiar with because we go through the different corridors and different paths numbers of times because the game is the game is difficult right so like we die and we we retread these paths over and over and over again and i could probably in my head take myself through the game of bloodborne again because i got so familiar with the map even with that there are still so many secrets and secrets are still still integral to the game and the way the way in which they balance those two things of creating a map that we're so familiar with but then around every single corner hiding something or hiding a tidbit or hiding like the character connections to other characters and all that stuff i think is done uh super well I want to bring in uh, two, uh, not questions so much, but stories that I think are two sides of the same coin kind of feel. Uh, Kevin M writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games, just like you can. It says, after 42 hours, I finally beat the game. I've always admired the Soulsborne games from afar, but always felt like it, there was no way I could beat them. I tried Bloodborne a couple years ago, and after four hours, I couldn't even beat the Cleric Beast. It didn't click, and that sucked. I've always seen the boss and art design of these games as top tier, and I wanted to participate in them. Then, when you guys made January Bloodborne Month, it motivated me to hop back in. It finally clicked. 
My heart was pumping after finally beating the cleric beast, and then immediately I was humbled by Father Gascoigne. Uh, I stuck to it and finally accomplished my goal. My fiance was aware of how difficult it was for me, and she was cheering me on through the whole process. I truly will never forget my time with this amazing game, and I'm excited to explore more games in the genre. So truly, thank you. Thank you for the motivation to jump back in. I hold this up there as one of the greatest games I have ever played. I love this success story, this sweeping thing. You know, I think uh, just about everybody here has talked about how, oh, yeah, you know, you started it, you stopped it, you didn't, you, something got in your way, right? And, like, you didn't commit to it. Brian? I, I, I was going to say uh, the, that, that reminded me of how I, I kind of gave my wife, like, like, Stockholm Syndrome from this game because she, um, she watched me play it for so long or would be, like, walking through the room when I'm playing it, and I, I had to, like, let her know very early on, this is not a game you can just, like, pause. And, yeah. like, I, I was like, when I'm, when I'm playing Bloodborne, like, n- you, no, nothing can go in front of the screen or I'll die, and, like, we can't leave until I'm ready to leave. And so she, she doesn't play video games for a living like I do, and so she doesn't, she doesn't really understand that almost every other game you could pause. So, like, she'll walk in the room and be like, I'm just I'm just waiting for you to, to finish. Why can't I was you like, just oh, save? I, yeah, yeah so I can pause and save. This is I'm playing, you know, Mario. <laughs> 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 like, it's like we can go, we can leave. Don't worry. Don't yeah, there definitely leave. is a social contract of playing Bloodborne, right? Yeah. Where it is like, all right, cool, this is what's happening. And yeah, I cannot help you on certain things until this is I get to, you know, the next lantern or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the same vein, here's Mike Marshall. Hey y'all, I have a question about your journey with the game. I had a really great time with it. This was my first playthrough, and the combat feels awesome. I thought it was fantastic up until up, up up through ROM. After I beat the thick spider boy, I found myself enjoying the mobs I was fighting less and less and just trying to sprint through levels to figure out where to go rather than grinding my way through groups of mobs. The story still interested me and I wanted to push through, but I did not feel the same connection with the game that, that and found myself looking to Google more just to guide me. Did anyone hit a specific point where their feelings on the game changed, positive or negative? Thanks, Mike. Mike's story to jump off right for me is exactly what happened with me where I had been along for the ride. I was totally in, I was having a great time. We were streaming it. And then when we weren't streaming it, I was over here playing it, uh, you know, like at night grinding it out, getting stronger. And then, yeah, when we did the stream and we hit ROM, that was the first time I felt the just hard downshift where all of a sudden everything stopped and I couldn't get it together and I couldn't do it the right way. And then even getting through then, then it was the first time where there were the bell ringers where I had to go kill people. And then I'm, I'm just doing the normal thing where I, I liked the mechanics of take your time, kill everybody. You can just win this war of attrition. But then when patient they respawned him, it was yeah. Patient Pete, it started. Okay. Now there's a speed to it. And that's when it just, for me became, Oh God. And then it was exactly what Mike's talking about for me, where I was just trying to run to the next thing constantly. Mm-hmm. And then I wasn't enjoying it the same way. And I've wrestled with it. Cause it happened on stream. We, a lot of people have talked to me or we've had conversations on reddits or tweets about it where it's like, it's nothing against the game. It's just that at that point in time, like we've been talking, I understood how the machine worked. And I had gotten it. I, I, I was thinking I was talking to uh, uh, maybe Lucy about it. Of For me, it was all of a sudden this. I kept climbing up the mountain or the, you know, the giant mudslide hill of the mountain and then getting three-fourths of the way there and sliding all the way back down. And just having that like defeated, like, ugh. And like, I think if we weren't playing it for a show and it wasn't like you know, there was a timetable on it, I probably would have just put it down and waited and come back 
probably months later when you know the you know the next down period swung and got me but the fact that i had to start pushing through it did negatively affect it where it was like fuck how do i go and even on that stream where i was like i'm not having a good time and tam's like i'm coming and tam jumped in and like got me back on track and did it and then even after he left and i was like i want to beat this game but i don't want to i i get it like i get it and i respect it and i enjoy it but i'm not in the mood to go grind like I was earlier. And that's when I went and did the cum dungeons, <laughs> right? Just ran cum, the dungeon over and over and over again. If you're not a cum dungeon, it's a thing. Yeah. Uh, you can go in, you know, you put in your code, you get to go to a dungeon, you walk in and then a guy on either side of the wall dies and you get like 85,000 uh, so- yeah. souls, right? Or echoes. And you just get, you repeat, rinse and repeat. So you have a bunch and then I power leveled. And then back to what we're talking about, the final fights of the game, I still found challenging, but I didn't, f- I felt like I got, the shortcut around doing all of the busy work to get me to them. I enjoy being challenged and can I beat this person? And I failed a bunch of times to then figure out their, their movements and what they needed to do. So it was this weird thing of at the ROM fight, the game became a different game for me, not for mm-hmm. everybody. I don't think Did anybody else mm-hmm. have something like that. Like me and Mike, I don't think I had the same thing. I completely understand why it's it happens to a lot of people, especially when they persevere up until that point. And mm-hmm. it is like what you said, where you climb the mountain and slide down. I think the 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 kind of like mental thing that happens is and it's kind of uh, fromsoft fans have a way of explaining away everything that happens in the game that people might might think is like shitty as being a moment of genius and i think it genuinely <laughs> is a moment of genius when like the blood moon descends and then you know you fall unconscious and you wake up and the world is entirely different and i think that's incredible but if you're just like trying to complete the game you're just like oh not only is it have i just climbed this mountain i keep sliding down i've just noticed that there's a second mountain that i have to climb sure. it's like it, it opens the door and tells you there's another whole game and that's where it can start to feel tricky because the rules shift slightly enemies are a little more aggressive because of the blood moon um, and then the frenzy part of it starts to become a little more involved and it becomes a harder game it kind of pulls the rug out underneath you and then you have the bell ringing ladies appear a bit more and and way more hunters appear and they're more aggressive and it becomes a hard game again it almost tells you that good job you got this far you've learned the language of the game you're good at it now we're gonna make you suck at it again and you have to learn a whole (laughs) new part of it and narratively it makes sense because you've peeked through the veil and you've realized that oh shit it's way worse i had no idea it was this bad and now i'm really feeling what this world actually is but when you're just trying to play the game and you're trying to get through it, it i can understand why it might be like god damn this is just I, I thought I had it, and this feels unfair. Yeah, uh, my my philosophy with that kind of situation, and it happens a lot with games like this because they do tend to push back, is to stop being a mountain climber for a few days and like mm. go be go be a race car driver or a plumber or whatever. All the all the different <laughs> ju- guy in Fortnite, whatever you gotta do. My <laughs> like my 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 like kind of like loop with these games is that they will kick my ass until I'm so frustrated and so pissed off that I can just have this war of attrition where I keep playing over and over to turns, or I can put the controller down and just disappear for a day or two, Mm. maybe like get a good night's sleep, wake up the next day, come at it at a totally different angle and then, and then succeed. And that's, you know, that to me is part of it. Like, it's not just about, this sounds like, like, I I don't know. I've never like physically trained for anything in my life, but I imagine this is what those kind of people go through. <laughs> but this, if I were to, I would be like, okay, you know, like maybe your body's tired, like lay down and then you wake up the next day, you have a good breakfast, you turn on the TV and the sun's coming up and you fight Rom again and you beat him on your first try. And that, that just happens with games like this. And yeah. I've had that happen so many times with these games 
like Sekiro, I was like 70% through that game and loving it. And I hit a wall on a boss. And then it was just like one of those months where we had like, we had like three conventions in a month and I was just traveling constantly. And I came back and I was like, I forget how to play this game. Like this is, this is like forgetting how to like ride a bike or play a piano or something. And part of me was like, should I just nuke my save file and start from the beginning and learn all the steps? Cause it kind of feels like I, you know, I skipped a couple classes and now I have to come back and, and do the test. And I, I was just, I just haven't gone back and I really want to. And I think when I do, it's going to start from the beginning and then just go all the way through again. Um, Cause sometimes that just, it just helps. You know? I've sure. had, I've had two reactions to like the positive and the negative. I think the first positive reaction that I had to the game where you kind of go, Oh shit, this is really, really cool. Was after you beat Gascoigne and I have Chad telling me, now get the red brooch on the roof. Go take it back to the young girl at the window. I'm like, young girl? I don't even remember that. What the <laughs> hell? I thought, I thought they just had random people in Windows talking to you to kind of world build. I didn't know there was, this was actually a side quest of some sort. Right. And that's when I realized, and that's when I realized how impressed I would be by the stuff that's so easy to miss, but the stuff that adds so much substance to it all. And... That was a really cool moment to find out about the young girl and how her dad had become so bloodthirsty that he became a beast and he killed the mom. And then you send her on a on a journey and then she fucking gets eaten by a pig. Like, it's all dreadful <laughs> shit, man. Oh, no. um, it's all super dreadful. And the negative moment that I had where you had that negative turn, it wasn't I, I'm just it's mostly just because I'm stubborn as shit. And. I never, when I killed Rom, I didn't ever think, oh, wow, this game's a lot harder because I just always thought the game was hard no matter what. But it wasn't until I hit that room that Greg was having issues with with the, the ring -a -ding -ding bell ringing lady. And uh, there's the room with the three hunters in there. And mm. sure, I could skip them. But if you kill one of them, they're dead forever. And I must have spent around maybe two and a half, three hours trying to kill all three. And you'd finally get one down, and you know the event, you know the challenge is going to be uh, like uh, again, thirty three percent easier. <laughs> so that encourages you to go back. But man, those last two are fucking assholes. Oh my god, I can't do this shit. <laughs> and but eventually you take them down, and you feel you feel you feel so rewarded because you know that they're not coming back. And the enemies that end up not coming back in Bloodborne. I, I get such a huge feeling of satisfaction killing them, knowing that they can't respawn and ruin my experience. So that was like a big I am tilted and I want to never play this game ever again moment. But once sure. I killed all three, then it then surprise, you get to fight fucking globs of bones that are coming at you out of like little boxes like it's <laughs> awful shit. <laughs> <laughs> and you for, regret for me, ever doing yeah. it. <laughs> for me, it was uh, old Yarnum that was mm. the, the my my tilt point where you get to this area of the game and the there's somebody in the far far distance that is shooting uh, bullets at you that is trying to snipe you the whole time. Uh, and immediately I was like, okay, this doesn't seem like it's going to be fun. But then over the course of a few days, I eventually like I, I grind through it, I get through it, I get to the end, I fight, I believe the Blood Starved Beast, uh, and that fight took me a while. And then I beat that fight, and I was like cool i did it let's go this tough area of the game is all finished what's next and then i realized that that was an optional area mm. for me that was a very big point of being like oh i might be done with this game because the the lack of direction is a thing that uh for the first 50 percent of playing through i was not digging because i uh for a world that is 
that was so difficult for me uh, to get through, both from a gameplay standpoint of the game being hard, but then also from just a I don't like th- I don't like the enemies. I don't I don't like how things look, and I don't like how scary everything is. Everything is so stressful. The idea that layered on top of that was gonna be this uh um you know like this pathing that wasn't straightforward and i went to old yarn and even though that looked like the the main direction for me to go uh meanwhile there's this whole other direction that had to go roundabout and actually to actually go through to to get progression i just found that so frustrating and then later later on that really grew on me because i i ended up enjoying exploring the world a, a lot more once i realized that there are really cool things to be found that way but for me, that was, that was the thing that almost made me put the game down. Well, and like, you, Wes, you just you just hinted at it. Like, they, like they don't they they hide leveling up in this game. Like, there's yeah. only there's two ways to level up early on in the game. You can either die in the first boss and go talk to the doll, or you can find you know Madman's insight under a bridge and eat it like a weird dude. <laughs> and uh, but but like they don't tell you about any every other video game. You're like, oh, I died. Uh, you know, I guess I I'll I'll grind and upgrade. And you could do that for ten hours before dying on the first boss, but without realizing, like, oh, you, you, you can upgrade in this game. Like, they don't teach you that, and that's that's frustrating for a lot of people. And I completely understand that. In the same way that, like, when you're traveling for hours and hours, and you're like, where am I going? And all of a sudden, you open a door, and they're like, you unlock the door, and you're like, oh, that, oh, a shortcut, nice, yes. It's like this great feeling because you, you, they don't tell you that that's going to happen for you. Yeah. I, I do also have that sort of mind blow moment where Blessing is talking about old Yarnum and how, uh, I'm, Greg, you went through old Yarnum, I believe, right? Because you beat Bloodstar yeah. Beast, yeah. And how Jora, the hunter on top of the roof shooting at you, can become friendly and can be a good guy. And then you learn his backstory, and you hear that he is this guy that's been who was at one point a hunter, and now is like, hey, all these beasts you're killing, they used to be humans. Like you're mm-hmm. the beast. You're the monster mm-hmm. here. You're the bad guy in this story, you know? And you yeah. start to get, like, I don't know what the what the friendly enemy conditions are. I don't know at what point you can befriend him. But I know that if you if you encounter him in different moments or in different... There's a path through the game where instead of approaching him from the front and having him shoot down upon you, you come round the back and unlock it your a door that lets you climb the ladder without him seeing you so um in that in that scenario he won't shoot you immediately he'll talk to you and will treat you as a friendly instead of hostile immediately yeah. because he treats you hostile because when you come in he says don't come in here just leave these people alone i'm taking care of this just stay out it's got nothing to do with you and then you venture deeper and he says okay it's, if it's going to be a fight it's going to be a fight yeah um, so the other way around is like a back route so it's all it's little moments. No idea. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> it is little moments like that with the NPCs. Again, you know, the uh, my first time playing Demon Souls remake on PS5, and I see this old, look, ugly looking dude, like any other ugly looking dude I've been fighting, and I hit throw a couple blasts at him and I would swipe him down. I finally fucking kill him. And chat's like, Annie, that's the merchant. You shouldn't have attacked him because now, <laughs> because now he, that resource will not be there for you anymore in the rest of the game. And he's really helpful because he could sell you shit. So I fucking restart the game. <laughs> I restarted the whole game. Cause I didn't want, I wanted to have that merchant there for me throughout the rest of the gameplay. You know? Yeah. I was playing, I was playing uh, or watching a friend playing bloodborne for the first time. And we were still in central Yarnum. And I was kind of trying to guide them through the right direction in order to like see see everything you need to see. And I guided them to one hunter 
uh, I think who's one of the first hunters you meet who's friendly and Eileen? essentially sends you down a side quest. Yeah, I think it was Eileen. Mm. And we enter uh I we en- we enter where Eileen's at and then the friend I'm playing with immediately attacks Eileen. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. And it was too late. And Eileen fights them. And yeah. it's funny how, like, that ends up being a lot of people's first instinct. Because as a player, you're like, cool. I, everything in this world has attacked me so far. I see another right. NPC. They're probably going to attack me. I'm going to attack them. Yeah. And then later on, like, more and more through playing, you realize that things in Bloodborne aren't what they seem right like mm. the, the your first inclination isn't always the right one when it comes to, to comes to this world which feeds back into insight and the blood moon and all this shit right it's all like, yeah. like the little <laughs> ugly creature in, in odin's chapel like yeah you could kill the thing you see it's an ugly oh, look at thing but nice, then it talks nice, just a nice he's lad the, he's a nice the lad, one good Cam. thing he's the one pure thing in that world and ironically <laughs> like blessing your your friend's mistake kind of feeds into the law because eileen is a hunter of hunters and she believes that eventually all hunters will go mad and attack and be in incapable of distinguishing friend from foe and that's mm. exactly what your friend did that's and hilarious activated and I'm, and, uh, and I, this might be a stretch but it might not be that they from software and miyazaki figured that and framed it so that it would it would play out like that for a lot of players because yeah, as soon as she got there, it was no, there was no hesitation of attacking Eileen. <laughs> and then, and then you realize that Eileen uh, wants to kill the guy who is, I believe, Gascoigne's brother, or how I forgot, I forget how he's related to Gascoigne. Brother Gascoigne. <laughs> brother Gascoigne. She wants to. Yeah, she wants to. He, I loved him on the wire. <laughs> uh, I have, we're dancing around this question, so if you've already given your answer, that's fine. But Randango wrote into patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says, What's your favorite moment, boss fights excluded? Uh, for mm. me, farming for blood vials while listening to a podcast was a moment of calm for me that I enjoyed. Mm. I find this, I thought it was interesting because obviously the next one's Jake's, Jake Bakes Cakes wants to talk about favorite and least favorite boss fights. But for this one, like, I always tell that story because I'm just a broken record and I'm out of uh, original things to say of how, for me, Super Mario World on SNES will always be tied to Weezer's Pinkerton. And whenever I hear Pinkerton, I will think uh, Mario World. Whenever I play Mario World, I'll think about Pinkerton. And for this, it's always going to be for me. When we weren't on stream and I didn't want to advance too far, I would grind. And while grinding one night, I was like, what do I want to listen to? And I put on the Hamilton soundtrack, which I had seen once on Disney Plus, And I was like, oh, it wasn't as good as people said it was. And then it was literally two weeks of me listening to the Hamilton soundtrack every night while playing Bloodborne. And just fucking, I'm not going to throw him on. And, fight, and like, for, like, you guys all hated Forbidden Woods. I loved it. I just hung out there just grinding snakes and grinding monsters and doing all this stuff while listening to that. Like, that will always be, I think, my Bloodborne memory in terms of like a, a quiet moment that I really enjoyed. But uh, what about you, Andy? Do you have one? Oh, sorry. Miyazaki, Brian, Mi- no, I was going to say, Miyazaki said that that was like one of his like biggest intentions of the game is to have people play it with the Hamilton soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I'm, I'm there with a joint. I'm like, it's like Dark Side of the Moon, man. Yeah. And with your eyes, it sinks up. <laughs> um, as long they, as they're in the room where it happens, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, favorite non-boss moments. I would have to say any time that I encountered shortcuts or got to experience the FromSoft level design because I didn't realize how much of a diet experience the level design stuff here would be when compared to Dark Souls 1 playing through that right now. And getting a little hint of that, of being like, wow, Bloodborne, is like obviously everything here is super creative, but the 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 way levels work with each other and are 
seemingly kind of interconnected that's really really fucking smart i can't believe they put that much work into it and then now playing dark souls one i'm like oh my god this is like that shit on crack like i can't believe how much further they've gone with that so any moment of hitting the shortcut and then you walk into a room and not really realizing you're necessarily hitting a shortcut but you do and you're like oh fuck i'm here now oh my god this is so good yeah it's all those little moments like that blessing what do you got uh the moment that comes to mind immediately for me is towards the end of the DLC that I'll, I, I guess I'll spoil it a little bit, but it's more so of a staging thing than an actual story thing. The Towards the end of the DLC, you kind of, you make like a lot of discoveries about what's going on in the specific area in the DLC and how it kind of parallels with everything going on in the main game. There is a lead up to the final boss in the DLC that I think is just excellently staged and very well done and sets the tone so well where you walk into these caves and it's like very mazy and then you finally get to where uh, you're supposed to be going and the path into that final boss because of what's going on in the world and, and how the people in that village in, in your inn kind of react to all, to all of what's going on. You, you're basically surrounded by these like fish people that are all bowing toward what the final boss is. And it is such an eerie, creepy, fucked up uh, 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 like setting. Like the, the way in which they, 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 they set dressed it is unlike many like unlike unlike anything i've seen in video games where you can like go through and just kill all of them if you want to you can leave them alone um but walking walking through in order to get to that final boss is such a creepy like skin crawling moment for me that's going to stick with me miyazaki loves doing the walking in and seeing people bowing yeah. and stuff because demon souls has like three moans of that too <laughs> mm-hmm. it's so creepy tam uh, for me, uh, I think the, the the moment in the game, like there's there's one moment where people often cite like is this is the moment I realized something more was happening is the blood moon descending after you beat Rom. And that was one moment where I was like, oh, I, I get it. But there's another one that I think is way more profound is it's in the hunter's dream. Um, and you don't really notice it, but uh, a lot of people won't even find this area. But there's actually like you have the main area where you're in the Hunter's Dream and you have the actual workshop. But there's an area further off to the left. It's like hidden. And if you go back there at the right time, you'll find German there and he's asleep. And if you hang out there enough and just watch him, there's a rare piece of dialogue that he says, which is probably the, my favorite delivery of a line in a video game ever he's asleep and he's not able to control what he's saying and he basically says this line which reveals way more about the game and he basically the line is like lawrence master willem somebody help me um unshackle me uh the night blocks all sight and he like cries at the end of it and it reveals to you oh german is trapped in something that i don't i'm not aware of like there's more happening there and Basically, I mean, spoilers for Bloodborne. I just got goosebumps, dude. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> spoilers Spoilers for Bloodborne is like, Gaiman is trapped within a nightmare that is created by the Moon Presence, which is a separate um, uh, uh, elder being that isn't existing in the same world as the rest of the stuff that's happening. Because there's one elder being that's controlling the stuff in Yarnum and all that kind of business. And then within the, the Hunter's Dream, it's actually a Hunter's Nightmare. And that moon presence is what has trapped uh, German because German beckoned it. And he needed a purpose after his workshop was shut down. So he reached out to this elder god. Elder gods are sympathetic. 
and they he gave he it basically put him in this dream and i was like oh there's a third thing happening in this game that i was just completely <laughs> unaware of yeah so like i mean it's so that's such a great moment dan because he feels in that moment the the helplessness that is emoted in that moment and the voice actor did such mm. a damn good job and like mm. he it's again it's this sort of talking while being asleep but he just sounds so fucking terrified and yeah he doesn't want to be there and he's like Will, master Willem lawrence please like free me free me yeah. and it's like and oh my god this is scary as shit man there's something really heartbreaking about hearing old people cry like it's it's <laughs> like it's, it's something about it like just listen go and find that clip on youtube and like the bit at the end where he like just cries and his voice kind of trails off like every time i hear it i'm just like i, I can't deal with this this is scary this is the scariest thing in this game an old yeah. man who feels trapped and it feels like he can't get out of what's happening and then brian did you have one yeah i mean honestly there's it's it's it was probably the moment the platinum popped yeah. Like that that was How bad was that grind? I, when I I last week was like, "Oh man, like I like the gameplay. Like I'm looking but everyone's like, "You'll hate the chalice dungeons. You'll they'll drive you crazy." I I actually really like them. Um they're they're terrifying and they're overwhelming, but I, the the thing is like the game does have fail safes. If you do want to call in help, you can do that. Like sure. you'll summon some like level 99 psycho from the internet beat some ass in front of Tam. you. Damn. Yeah, like Tam. <laughs> um and, and so like I like I, I platinum this game in like February of last year or January. And I remember like starting the year just in the worst funk and just being like super depressed and just like trying to crawl out of it. And I wanted to do something to like, to like feel accomplished. And so I, I went back through Bloodborne. Like I said, it was my comfort food, but I was like, you know what, this time let me platinum it. Like I got nothing going on. Like, you know, I'm not really playing anything new. There wasn't really a lot happening at the time and i beat the game and it was like the sun came out and i was happy and then <laughs> then march of 2020 happened <laughs> so i probably should have saved that high for later in the year but i i still bottled it i remember like i i had my i i, I called my wife i'm like run in here and take a take a picture of me in front of the screen like you know like it's like the the 90s or something you're sending yeah, yeah, yeah. a photo to nintendo power um it was like such it was such an awesome moment but yeah i loved it and i i got the trophy the the platinum trophy and the dlc and everything too which i adored um i i really felt like i just like finally dug into that game and really got to see everything that that it was all about and yeah that was that was it and you know me greg i'm not really like a platinum trophy yeah i know it's not what but, it is definitely not yeah. i think that's what always speaks so highly of this game is the amount of people who've gone for this platinum and aren't platinum people mm -hmm. like uh, like you tam mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. greg what was your ending <laughs> Uh, I did. I didn't know I did it, but I did the thing where I sacrificed myself. And so uh -huh. then today, when I it was hilarious today, I was like, I want to see the second ending, you know, and play a little bit more. So like, I turned it on, and I was like doing email, and I was like, yeah, second ending, and I did it. And then it's like, fucking fight me! I'm like, oh shit, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> fumbling for the controller, like, ah, oh, I forgot how to do all this, bouncing around yep. trying to go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that fight is are brutal. Are you gonna get the yeah, third it's a tough ending? One. No, I haven't. I don't know. I know there's a third ending, but I haven't heard about it. <laughs> Uh, and speaking of all that, too, to end this one, uh, Jake Bakes Cake says, what is up, everyone? Uh, what's everyone on the panel's uh, favorite and least favorite boss fight? What, what, I mean, I, my, my least favorite is Rom, and my, my favorite was Father Gascoin, because even in the moment, I was like, ah, I started getting it, and I'm like, it will 
this is where the game's exposing itself to me and showing me what it actually is. And from here on out, I know that with every boss, you know, go in, get your ass kicked, figure out what their their waves are or whatever or levels are. Mm-hmm. But like, this is going to mm-hmm. be this was the first time I was getting to do it. Um, the blessing was just talking about that that creepy hallway leading up to the final boss of the DLC with all the you know praying guys. Um, the what he left out was that the dude right after that will beat your fucking ass. Yeah, <laughs> no matter <laughs> he like there's. There are like there there are boss fights in that game where I'm like I I can do this I can do this and then I, every time I get to that one I'm like this dude is he is he's he's in a different game like he is just like it's like it's like when you when you read a celebrity's name and you're you realize you're too old to know who they are it was like one of those things where i was just like i like i physically cannot beat this dude alone i just can't like he's just too fast his name's orphan of cost and he just runs up and down this beach with he's like this big wet naked baby he's got like a body bag in his hand he screams at you he jumps 500 feet he in has the a air. placenta it's horrible. Yeah, it's his weapon. Horrible. His weapon is his placenta. Greg. That's also it's a horrible. yo-yo. Hell yeah! It's like yeah. it's ridiculous. Fighting. It's like stepping into a, into into the ring against like Mike Tyson. Whatever yeah. you go in, and you're like, okay, maybe I'll be able to find something against him. And he just subverts every single fighting style that you can even think of. <laughs> it took me hours upon hours mm-hmm. upon hours to even to even uh, try and defeat him because he yeah. does he does the the phase change like halfway through, and it's like cool. If you thought the first phase was tough wait till you get the, to the second phase where he starts doing area of effect attacks that just fuck you up no matter where you're at it's yeah, ridiculous greg if you ever go through the the old hunters just just call phone a friend on that one like <laughs> you're i know you you're busy like you, it's just not it's it, i'm sure there's there's an, a sense of accomplishment at the end of it i i would say just table it call somebody yeah. in and beat the dude with some help um so he's my least favorite but my favorite is probably either blood starved beast just because like when you mm-hmm. first beat that character um you feel awesome because it's it's so visceral and gnashing and wet and disgusting and screaming at you the entire time uh and it's like it's also totally doable like that's one of the ones where like the combat really starts to click with a lot of people you really realize how fast-paced things can be and um then you start like when you start digging in it you're like oh you know, rub a little fire on the on the old wood. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a. This is gonna hurt this motherfucker. And so, like, <laughs> there's there's little things like that that help your. And I think like when you come out of that, you're kind of sweating and you're pulse pounding a little bit, and you're like, I did it. And then it's kind of a dead end, and you're like, oh, oh man, was I even supposed to go here? <laughs> <laughs> Andy, what about you? Um, least favorite. Uh, again, I didn't do the DLC. Um. Least favorite, I'll go with either like the Shadows of Yarnum or the Witch of Hemwick. I think just because mm. no, no, no. You know what? I'll go with Witch of Hemwick or Mikalash, just because they they were kind of boring and unfun and frustrating because they were confusing. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, the Witch of Hemwick was just boring. I'll just say that. Um, but Mikalash's was more confusing and having to run around the maze and yeah, like. Yeah. Just kind of like, I just want to fucking fight you. I can beat you if I fight you, but let me yeah. fight you. You know, it's that, it's that sort of thing. That was kind of annoying. Um, and favorite boss fight, I, I'll either have to go with, like, having that German moment with when German stands up and is like, all right, stands up out of the wheelchair, is like, you're not going to submit your life? All right, let's fucking do this. That was like a really cool, like, holy shit, I can't, oh my God, this is awesome. That or... Vicar Amelia was the more memorable one because it was it was my it was my first shot at it and it was one of those I have maybe a tenth of my health left and Vicar Mm -hmm. Amelia she had about a third of her health left and I had run out of 
blood vials. I was like, all right, I got nothing to lose. Let's just let's fucking figure this out. See if I could do this. And ended up beating her on my first try. And it was one of those like, oh my god, that gaming moment of just feeling that's that that absolute feeling of success in your body. I was just yelling and it was so awesome. And then I found out that you couldn't throw an item or you can throw something at her that prevents her from healing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, shit, I really did it the hard way. That's fucking awesome. And it was just a really good feeling. Blessing. My least favorite ones will probably be uh, Witch of Hemwick or there's one boss fight. I can't remember what it's called, but you're basically fighting like the Mr. Meeseeks guys. But it's uh, there's like another there's like a bigger one, I think. Or maybe there's one that yeah. just takes more damage. One of those. Celestial Emissary. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't love those for the reason that I, I just prefer boss fights that are, that are more straight up. There's also a boss fight in the DLC that, that's actually kind of similar, that has a similar sort, sort of deal going on, where you're fighting multiple enemies, taking that out one by one. I don't really like those kind of boss fights. Uh, even for the, for the ones that stumped me, like uh, Orphan of Costs and Gearman, at the end of the day, I actually really did enjoy those just because they pushed me to my limit. And even though it took me like five to ten hours to beat those, by the end of it, the feeling when you do beat them is so good, where... I, I would I wouldn't give up that feeling you know like it's, uh, that those are some of the most satisfying feelings I've had of playing video games, uh and so my favorite it's in the air but I'd probably say hmm damn Margo's Lady Maria is definitely up there <laughs> Lady Maria is up there I'll actually mm-hmm. probably go um Ludwig the fight against yeah. Ludwig and the DLC is very good uh, and it's one of those ones where he has two phases the first phase stumped me quite a bit. Um, but like on my ninth or 10th try, I got to phase two and it felt like the cinematic moment of, I made it that far and I, I, I had the momentum up and I, I was in the zone and I was able to get him on the first try on phase two. And it was this beautiful moment of he's doing all these cool new moves that I haven't seen before. And I'm dodging them back and forth and he has projectiles and all this shit. And the music is some of the best music in the game. Cinematically, that boss fight had everything I, I, I wanted and was looking for out of a mm. boss fight. And then the feeling of actually taking them out on the first t- first try like that was just very very good overall. I also want to shout out Murgo's wet, no- wet nurse. I oh, think that is like one yeah. of the most visually kind of stunning fights. I think sh- I think it's one of the most visually stunning bosses with just mm-hmm. all of the fabric flying everywhere and all the the sort of scythes the in, in their hands. Yeah, it's just that that's one of the coolest bosses where. Man, I would love to see that in a higher fidelity uh, in 60 frames. <laughs> like, it looks so goddamn good in 30. I can't imagine how that would look at at a higher tier with better lighting and stuff. Oh, mm-hmm. What a great, what a great looking boss! That boss fight is straight out of Nier Automata too. Like, it reminds <laughs> me so much of yeah. the the carnival boss yep. at the end of the carnival in Nier Automata, and I love it so much. Tam. Uh, I'll be quick. I don't think there's a boss I really hate. I think the one that I dread still to this day is Dark Beast Paul. Some some way, something about the way that boss moves just really screws with me, and I can never get it down. Um, as for my favorite, I'm a sucker for whenever From Software puts uh, ideas or references to future games into their into their um, previous games. So, for example, the big one is which I've discussed before is there's a character in DLC for Dark Souls called. Um, marvelous chester and he stands out from everything in the world um at the, because he looks so weird he's this character that for some reason in a game full of swords and shields has a gun a crossbow and for some reason is dressed like he's from a victorian town and then you think about that and it's like 
oh, Marvel F. Chester was the prototype character for Bloodborne that they were experimenting with. And um, in in Bloodborne, it is Lady Maria because I did that fight one-on-one, -on -one, extremely fast, extremely like getting there aggressive. And when I finished that fight, I was like, I could play an entire game of this. And then they released Sekiro. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well said, I never put that together. I want to do final thoughts, but Brian, I know that your time's up. So if you want to give me your final thoughts, then get out of here, go to the bathroom, get a water, do whatever you got to do. Um, I I love Bloodborne. It's uh, this is probably the most I've ever nodded my head on a podcast. If you've never seen me <laughs> on a show before, I'm not usually doing this for two hours. But <laughs> to be in company of people who uh, appreciate it, um, who loathe it at times, too, I, I do think it is a it is a difficult trying relationship at times with this game because it, it is aggressively pushes back like i said um i think it's incredibly special i uh, i implore you to uh find the art book if you can tam knows what it is it's got mm -hmm. tons and tons of concept art mine's in japanese I'm stupid and i i think i imported it early um so i can't read anything in it but uh there's tons of great art like i said the comics uh there's a figma action figure if you want um a bunch of other stuff but yeah uh this is a special game. If you've never given it a shot, uh, I implore you to try it, push through, learn to level up early on, and stick with it. And if you if it keeps kicking your butt, like we said earlier, find other parts of it uh, to appreciate, like like the music or something like that, which is on Spotify. There's there's so many different angles to come in here. And so yeah, it just I don't know. Thank thank you guys for inviting me on this because this is a blast. I love talking about this game, and I don't get to do it enough. Thank you for coming, Brian. Where can people keep thank up you. with you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Agent Bizzle and on Instagram at Brian Altano. And then on IGN, I'm on Beyond Greg's old show, Nintendo Voice Chat, and a bunch of other stuff constantly. And the year is just starting to ramp up, so I'll, I'll be around. I'll be on a lot of things this year. All right. We love you, man. Get out of here. Love you, too. Oh, Brian, I'll see you, you guys soon. Bye, guys. Bye, Brian. All right. Now, the, yeah, yeah, Bear figured it out right away. Good job, Bear. Uh, you got it for a second. You can re. I mean, you just do this. Uh, Tam, what's your heart at? Do you have, we didn't talk about this. You got to get out of here soon. Uh, yeah, I got to go out uh, in about five minutes. Okay, cool. Then give me give me your final thoughts. Then we can dismiss my, you too. <laughs> yeah, my final thoughts are pretty much like exactly what um, uh, Brian said. There, find a way to enjoy Bloodborne. There's so much to love about it, and I mean, I talk enough about it, so I'm just gonna take my opportunity to shout out like a creator that I'm really enjoying Please in do. the Bloodborne community. I know a lot of people say Vatividia is the go-to place for um law stuff and i 100 percent agree with that um if you want something to read redgrave has done this um massive thesis on what bloodborne is called um pale blood hunt which is amazing for video like i said vati um there's a small channel called the last protagonist which is about it's got like 4k views so i'd love to see it get the kind of funny um bump from uh for bloodborne and it's this guy hey, who's basically going before i back. forget send me all of the send me all these links and we'll put them in the description okay. Um, he's he's going back and um, basically retranslating the Japanese version of the game and in doing so he's uncovering a lot of interesting not mistranslations but where things were misinterpreted and act, uh, is actually clearing up a lot of things it's really cool things like yeah things awesome. like like the pale blood seek pale blood and that kind of stuff he's going back to how it was in japan and the japanese version comparing it to the i believe the korean version and the english version and trying to find out the original stuff for it and there's a whole bunch of really cool fascinating videos on there about the original version of the law and so if you want a kind of new lease on life and finding law um it's it's a great um uh, channel to look for and if you want streaming um Jesus has toast one of my favorite streamers speedrunner um fascinating guy always makes 
like streaming entertaining he's currently doing the 60 fps version of it um uh, and uh when, if you want bloodborne in the background that's the guy to go to thank you so much tam for joining us today no worries thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure um i'd love to i love talking about bloodborne and i love you guys so um it's been a great time we love Where can it, people keep up with you? Thank you, Tam. You can find me on Twitter at Tomorh. Um, I'm on Gamespot doing various things, writing, um, doing videos there. Uh, we have a podcast, Gamespot After Dark, and I've recently started streaming on Twitch at Twitch.tv/tomorh. Um, I finished Metal Gear the other day. I started Hollow Knight. I might do some Souls games very soon. Um, so yeah, come check it out. All right, we'll see you later. Take care, everyone. Bye. Via Bye, Tam. Bye. <laughs> And then there were three. Ooh, look at that. Barrett had it already set up. Good job, Barrett. I'm telling you. Uh, Andy, any final thoughts for you? And blessing, too. Now we can have a conversation. We don't have to worry so much about getting it. Well, I don't know what Andy has to do, but his calendar looks pretty clear. Um, yeah, I mean, this, I'm hungry, this, too. What are we going to do? The you can eat on the post show. <laughs> <laughs> the same as what everybody else has mentioned. I just think it's, it's such an impressive game that I would have never expected had the level of depth that it did. I thought people just liked it because people like the pain and the difficulty uh, of these games. But, you know, upon playing it and upon, you know, after being Demon Souls and seeing how Demon Souls was very much a precursor for what From Software wanted to do with their games, where, where Miyazaki sort of took the helm. Miyazaki has become like another Hideo Kojima for me, where I, I, I want to listen and absorb to any interview that he's ever done mm -hmm. i think his story is so fascinating where he was reading lovecraft at an early age and didn't fully understand english so he would fill in the blanks with his own interpretations uh in parts that were the language uh there was a bit of a language divide there it's just so interesting and it's so crazy that you know he then does not work on Dark Souls 2, and then that ends up being a pretty troubled development. And he joins Dark Souls 3 back again. And to this day, in recent interviews, as of 2019, he's mentioned, yeah, Bloodborne is probably my favorite, you know, because I feel like we really nailed it. I feel like we hit our stride with that game, and it's probably the, my favorite game that we've done. Uh, I think just give it a shot, anybody. If you are worried about the difficulty, again, you could summon friends. Don't feel bad um, about it. Like, is that taking the easy way out? You know, I think just don't be afraid to summon friends and get. Through it goes it back it's to I mean, so to, special to jump off in, in here, right? Like I'm I, everything everybody said I've echoed, right? I'm just like I think this is something everybody should play. Again, I don't, I get it and I appreciate it. And one of the things I didn't talk about, you know, like I always felt like early on when I would start Bloodborne and then drop off Bloodborne, I was kind of like I get I get what this is. Like I understand. I found it comfortting that even after Father Gascoigne, where I was like, I, 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 I was still like, this is what I thought it was. I made a joke to Andy before, right, that it's very much the Denny Green of video games, right? Of we, they are who we thought they were. <laughs> like yeah, the them. game, the game is what I thought it was, which isn't my kind of game, and I enjoyed it. I had fun playing through it. I ran into uh, the spider boss as well, and was like, I don't really want to play this right now, but that wasn't me condemning the entire project. I'm glad I went through it. I'm glad I did. I would encourage people to try it. Yeah, and if you you know it walk away from it. in the same way like a new Mega Man would drop tomorrow and I'd be like oh cool Mega Man that's a great game I'm not gonna play that like that's how I feel about mm -hmm. Souls games and where I'm leaving right now my experience of it but it is something special it is something to be played it is something to be enjoyed and yeah you great. should try get, it and how do I get you to play Sekiro I see it's the same thing where <laughs> I started Sekiro and I'm like I get it like mm -hmm. and this just isn't what I want to do like this just isn't what I want to spend my time and my game time with and so I feel like it's in the same spot as that, even though I know Sekiro is different. And I, I, you know, maybe I will try it on again one day or whatever. But it's like 
there's too many other things calling my name all the time that I do feel like I'm educated enough when I play, pick up a game and try it to know pretty quickly if it's going to be. It's, it's more rare, I think, that I pick up a game and I'm like, this isn't for me, and then jump cut 10 hours later, I'm like, oh my god, thank god I played that. Uh, we'll, and I don't know we'll, that- we'll do a spoiler cast for it in like three or four years, bless. <laughs> yeah. No, that's what I expect. Four years from after, now, it'll be us playing Sekiro. Get that after, SEO. After that I quit and blessing hire somebody who had been watching this show, what do you want to do? I want to do Twitter guys for Sekiro. That's when I'll come back and I'll do it with you guys or whatever. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, blessing. What are your closing thoughts? Yeah. No. Like I'm. I'm very glad I. I committed and played through this game. I wasn't expecting for this game to be possibly my favorite ps4 uh first party game right like up there with god of war and uh last of us and all this stuff like i the amount of love i have for this game and respect i have for it in terms of game design and and the direction and vision for it and how they they stuck through that vision and delivered i am constantly blown away even from having the the discussions today with the the five of us you know open my eyes to new things that i didn't even think about when it came to bloodborne and i like I, I love this game for various reasons. Why, right? Like the, the the gameplay is very much up my alley, and I appreciate. I, I, it, it, this game does have like one of my favorite combat systems in it. But the things that it takes from games that I already love and and implements that stuff, whether it be, you know, the secrets from Super Mario Brothers that I love love so much, the um uh uh stuff from Shadow Colossus that I referenced in terms of how it, how it tackles mystery and and uh in, interpreting story and and all this or you know things from Zelda certain like there there's so much influence in this game from other games and it's packaged up in a way that I think is done masterfully and it's it's a game that I'd say you know I I would say this is this is not a game that is for everybody mm-hmm. but I think anybody should de- definitely check it out you know if you if you if you have the inclination or if you if you're willing cuz it is definitely a game experience that I'm very glad I, I glad I've had, and I can't wait to continue to play more from software games, especially now that I've beaten Sekiro, and now I have a great appreciation for Sekiro because that game that that gameplay got me. I can't wait for for Elden Ring. You know, I'm looking forward to yeah. playing Demon Souls next, probably, and eventually getting into Dark Souls and all that stuff. Ladies and gentlemen. That's your definitive de- uh, Demon Souls got in my head now. Bloodborne podcast. Uh, of course, this is PS I Love You XOXO. If you didn't know, each and every week, Blessing and I come together to nerd out about all things PlayStation. Uh, it's a very different show generally, so I urge you to check those out. Remember, you can be part of the show on Patreon.com slash games. You can uh, get the show ad-free. You can get the exclusive post-show we're about to do over there. Remember, too, still a huge week for Kind of Funny. Uh, of course, we are still doing PS- hashtag PS I Love Photo Mode. It's for Concrete Genie, which is going to be our game of the month for this month where we all play through and then talk about it next month remember wednesday is assassin's creed in review 2 30 p.m uh pacific time youtube.com slash kind of funny games for youtube premiere wednesday is still our fcf draft for the wild aces twitch.tv slash kind of funny games uh 5 30 p.m then saturday is game day for the fan control football league wild aces versus the glacier boys 5 p.m pacific saturday followed by love sex and stuff's valentine's call in episode huge stuff let alone the fact that the blessing show rolls on on youtube.com slash kind of funny games where you you can get this show each and every week, every Tuesday. There it is, right for you. Or you can get it on yeah. podcast services around the globe. Can no I shout out where. two things? I fucking hate you. Yeah. Uh, the Blessing Show is all about Star Wars, past, present, and future. Definitely go check it out on YouTube.com. It's kind of funny games. has a very cool intro that I'm very proud of that Roger was able to edit together. And so definitely go check that out, at least just for the intro. But de- definitely stay through for the rest of the seven minutes. Let it auto Turn off your ad block. Yeah. Yeah. You know, put it on a friend's computer. Just go like to play. Apple Store. Yeah. Put it on every one of the computers there. Yeah. 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 Share with your fam- friends and family. If you have anybody that likes Star Wars games, you know, let them watch that episode. <laughs> but then also, uh, we we're doing a really cool thing with Hitman for Hitman 3. Yes. Uh, 
if you were paying attention last week on the Twitters, you might have noticed that Hitman 3, they revealed their whole, uh, uh, their roadmap for February. Kind of funny is part of it. Um, if you go to kindoffunny.com slash Hitman, you can submit your own custom contracts. What we're looking for are contracts for the Dartmoor map specifically in Hitman 3. If you submit those, me, Stoic Mike, and Roger are playing through them uh, to pick three of the best ones to, to then submit to IO. Uh, they'll then add that as the featured contracts uh, on Hitman 3 on, on uh, February 23rd. And so you can get your Hitman contract featured on the homepage of Hitman, basically, uh, if you submit to Kind of Funny. Um, and we're only picking the best ones. And so, <laughs> you know, do <laughs> your best work. Only picking the best. Only the picking the best ones. Do your best work. Uh, KindOfFunny.com slash Hitman. Your deadline is the 18th. But the earlier, the better uh, for you to submit those because we're going to be playing them over the, over the next couple of weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a post you to do on Patreon.com slash Games. But until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you. <laughs>